Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, there were two closeout games in the Western Conference playoffs last night, and both teams closed it out. The Denver Nuggets rally in the fourth quarter and beat the Portland Trail Blazers, and they are moving on to the second round. Got to give the Nuggets some serious credit there for winning without Jamal Murray. They didn't plummet in the standings. They win a first-round series. They are now off to the second round to play the Phoenix Suns, who closed out the Lakers. Tremendous start from Devin Booker. 33 points at halftime. Finished with 47 in the game. He had a massive, massive game, and he came up big when his team really needed him. But obviously the big storyline is that Anthony Davis tried to play, which I found surprising, only went five minutes, couldn't play, which I didn't find surprising at all. Why did he even try? He wasn't healthy. It's a desperate situation. He's a season finale. There are parallels to Donovan Mitchell, but it isn't a perfect fit because Mitchell obviously was a game one, and you had the whole rest of the series, and the Jazz were favored, and they had plenty of time to come back, and, and they had a chance to win without him. And they didn't, but they did come back and win four straight with him. This, however, is an elimination game, and none of us thought there was any chance the Lakers were going to win without Anthony Davis. He had 34 points in each of their two wins, and he didn't score 34 points in the other four games combined, and they lost them all. They need Anthony Davis. They don't have that many options. Uh, They're set up in an interesting situation salary cap-wise. Maybe we can get into this later this morning, but they got like half a dozen free agents. You know, role guys. uh, Caruso's a free agent. Wesley Matthews is a free agent. Uh, Montrez Harrell's a free agent. You can kind of go down the list. But they've also got like over $100 million, I think $110 million committed because LeBron's making more than $40 million next year, and Anthony Davis has a massive contract, and Kyle Kuzma signed for $13 million. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is up. He's at $15 million. He's in that group of six free agents. So it'll be interesting to see what the Lakers do, who they bring back. they got a lot of money committed. Um, what's LeBron going to look like? You know, Anthony Davis should get healthy, and then he'll probably get hurt again because he seems to. Uh, Barkley on TNT just called out his offseason conditioning. Man, you're still pretty young. This should not be happening to you. What are you doing? This should not be happening to you. Uh, You know, for LeBron, obviously the ankle's an issue. Obviously advancing age is an issue. And a perfect topic for pundits, sports talk radio, the Twitter sphere, uh, any talking heads anywhere. You know, how much a LeBron's problems right now are age-related and that father time is starting to win here and he's slipping and how much are ankle-related. I think you got to go 70 or 80 percent ankle. They were scaring the daylights everybody and were right up there near the top of the league when he hurt his ankle against Atlanta. And it's not that AD didn't have injury concerns because he did and he was already down with the calf and all of that. Um, I guess the other thing is that regardless of where LeBron is now, you know, where will he be in another year? How much will Father Time, even if Father Time hasn't claimed victory now, how much will he claim? You know, if it was more ankle than Father Time now, how much will just advancing age be a problem next year? Because I realized I didn't want to say Father Time like 72 times in this segment. Um, So all interesting questions for the Lakers. Uh, No for sure answers now, so it's great to debate this. What are they going to do with the roster? Because they do have a lot of guys who played a lot of minutes for them. And taken off, and they got a lot of money committed. So where are they going? In the meantime, we know where the Phoenix Suns are going. They're going to the second round. And they're going to play the Nuggets, and somebody's getting to the conference final. And the Jazz wait for the winner of tonight's game 
Uh, if it's the Mavericks, then the Jazz get the Mavericks. If the Clippers win, then the Jazz hit reset and wait for Game 7, which I suppose would be Sunday afternoon at 1.30. And the Mavericks will play the Clippers to see who advances. But the Jazz are waiting for the winner of this series tonight. There's only one game tonight uh, because there were so many games closed out Wednesday, so many series closed out Wednesday. Uh, just going to have the one game in the West uh, tonight. The Eastern teams all get time off, and uh, their second-round series with Atlanta and Philly will open on Sunday. So no games in the East tonight, one game in the West, the only game, 7 o'clock tonight, ESPN, and we'll see uh, what happens in Game 6 with the Clippers and the Mavericks in Dallas. Home team still hasn't won in this series. Home team's 0-5. If Dallas wins at home, they win the series. So that's that. Uh, we'll see if we get a more competitive game than we got uh, with the Laker game. The, the Nugget game is good, and the Nuggets come back, and, and the Joker is all of that. I mean, you just it's, – it's remarkable – what they've pulled off, and how good he has been. And now we'll see how much more he's got in him. And it'll be a real test, I think, for, um, for Aiton now. Uh, you know, he's, he's definitely made a step forward, and he's gotten better and getting a playoff test. And, you know, they don't have the playoff experience. Chris Paul does, and Crowder does. Uh, but a lot of guys on that team don't, and Aiton doesn't. And the Nuggets are trying to get back to the Commerce Final for the second year in a row. And it, it's refreshing for the Nuggets. I mean, of all the people who want to see the Lakers eliminated, the Nuggets have been to four Commerce Finals, and the last three times they've been, they've lost to the Lakers, dating back to the 80s. Yeah, they're pretty happy to see the Lakers gone. Get out. We're tired of you. So... We'll see what happens with the Nuggets and the Suns in the next round. And we'll see what happens with the Jazz coming up. we got Craig Bullerjack on the way. And we've also got Joe Ingles, so stay with us for that. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Craig Bowlerjack joining us late in yesterday's show. Here's PK and I's conversation with the TV voice of the Utah Jazz. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Premier Wave. You've heard about acoustic wave therapy for ED and how it's an effective treatment to help nearly all men. There's now a physician-owned clinic here in Salt Lake. Learn how Premier Wave is unique by visiting premierwave.com for more information and to learn about Premier Wave's special offer. Time to welcome in Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz Bowler. Good morning. Hey, David James. DK. Hello. Bowler, you well, once dropped a legendary quote that I think is hilarious. And I hesitate to bring it up because I, I brought it up before and you seem slightly embarrassed by it. But I'll I think it's so it fitting. I'm just going to risk it, Bowler. And if Let's you freeze it. me out and don't take my calls for the next year, I'll just deal with it. Okay. All right. You were doing the NCAA tournament up in Boise, and right. Gordon Monson followed you, and he wrote a profile on you and what it's like, right? And you ended up with four games in a row that all went down to the buzzer. Yeah, and at some point in the third or fourth game, you turned around and told him your underwear was soaking wet. Now, A, hilarious, B, too much information, C, four straight games in that hot, sweaty gym. I totally believe it. Uh, 
D, I wondered if that happened to you during Game 5 of the Jazz because <laughs> you were out of your mind. Donovan Mitchell was blowing your mind. He was blowing Matt Harpering's mind. He was blowing Alema Harrington's mind. Right on down the line, blowing Thurl's mind. I mean, he was just nonstop. Oh. He blew everybody's mind right last night in the building. Uh, and to get to your point, yeah, I was sweating pretty good in Boise, and I was uh, sweating a bit last night. It was a little hot outside, by the way, and it kind of transferred into the building. But that's one of the most incredible performances I, I have witnessed. Uh, and shots that were Steph Curry-like uh, with crowds and hands and face and short shot clocks, uh, Donovan Mitchell showed us why he's reached another level, in my opinion. And playoffs – Everyone will tell you, every analyst I've run across, say when you hit the postseason, that's when you step to the next level, and Donovan has reached that. Uh, I guess that would equate into from star status or all-star status to a superstar status. Um, I saw some incredible things last night, and you know, there's a lot of arguments whether or not the Jazz dominated the, the Memphis Grizzlies. Look, you're a good young team with a lot of a lot of work to do, but some pieces they need off the bench uh, because the Jazz bench dominated really throughout the series. But uh, they've got a couple of uh, players that, that are the real deal as well. But look, the Jazz dominated Memphis most of the series, obviously, except for game one. There were some leads, massive leads that were lost. Look, you know, last night you build a 35-point lead and you went by 16. So it kind of takes away that argument a bit but yeah they dominated most of the series and uh last night the first half i mean i'm looking at my scorecard and i i really almost ran out of ink in the first half with donovan but you know you score 75 or 47 in the first quarter that to me equates to domination and they they did dominate memphis so was your mind blown <laughs> Yeah, I think at times I just was going, you know, Matt and I looked at each other across our little plexiglass barrier like, gosh, you know, you, you give kind of verbal cues. You guys do that, right? Like, I'm looking over like, really? really? Well, yeah, he flips me off, though. That's like <laughs> nonstop. Nonstop flip? Okay. <laughs> I've given him the bird twice during this interview already. <laughs> she blew my nose and then she blew my mind. Yeah, there you go. I don't know if Donovan <laughs> blew his nose, but he blew my mind. Uh, yeah, no, maybe he did. He had allergy issues, right? Didn't he yeah. say the post game? That's yeah, what he, he said. Been, yeah, had a lot of allergy problems, man. But said no, he was up on the hour when, every hour, <laughs> right? Maybe sometimes when you're uh, not feeling your best, you play some of your best basketball. But uh, Donovan did it all. Um, I think what's also impressive is in this series, he also rebounded and had you know, assists. I mean, he got his teammates involved. Look, 30 and 10, along with six rebounds and 30 minutes of play. I mean, I don't know what else you can do. But that, that tells me a lot about who he is and how he's worked through this year. Uh, I said last night on the broadcast, this team has gone through more trial and turbu- you know, tribulation uh, than any team I can think of, uh, you know, recently. You know, starting in Oklahoma City and then the – alleged Rudy Donovan flare-up, the bubble, you lose the 3-1 lead. Uh, you know, Jerry Sloan passes, Dougie Burrell passes away, their longtime masseuse. Uh, we lose Mark Eaton uh, this past week. You know, the t- plane trip to Memphis 
and the flock of birds. I mean, this this has been mentally challenging. Uh, and if there's a team that's prepared for a long run, I keep thinking it's the Utah Jazz. And they've grown together, and they've you know witnessed and been through all this together. And they made a very strong decision that Donovan stated strongly last year in the bubble, never again. And you know his prediction held true, right? His statement held yeah. true. They're on to round two, and we'll see who they who they play, whether it's Dallas or the, or the LA Clippers. Well, I believe that Mitchell is going to fail miserably in the second round, and he doesn't have enough talent to do what he did, and this was just a fluke, and he's really not that good. So could you please deliver that message to him? Oh, sure. I, uh, I, I wonder, I wonder how that's setting now with a few of the critics. Um, yeah. you know, look, hey, Donovan, if he uses his motivation, so be it. I mean, criticism right. is uh, cl- clearly is he used the Dylan Brooks fun. thing as in yeah. as a, something to get him fired up. What was he doing? Wasn't he holding up fingers? You know, that's three, that's yeah. four. Yeah, the game. You know, the yeah. Fouls. yeah, Brooks had struggles. Look, he's uh, Brooks can score and do his own thing too, but Donovan has a way of um, maybe getting into a few of these guys' heads. He's learned that maybe from Joe Ingles, who uh, is up next. Tell Joe to keep shooting the ball, will you? Just let him just keep shooting the ball. He'll be fine. Craig Boulderjack joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz knocking out the Grizzlies. So Quinn always likes to have something, and I think all coaches do really, you know, hey, you did this well, you did this well. Here's something we really got to work on. Don't know that he has that right now. Now, maybe he can go once he knows who the opponent is, he can go back and look at the regular season games and say, Well, we didn't do this well against him. And obviously, they're going to emphasize this because they know that they got the film too. But what's he got to hang his hat on right now? It went so well. Well, I think he still wants some more offensive rebounds, even though that did improve in the last couple of games. And I'm still thinking that the Jazz turned the ball over too much and teams take advantage and score off the turnovers. I mean, I'm just looking last night, 18 points off 15 turnovers. You know, teams like Memphis who run uh, and they can break and run run away from you, uh, you don't want to you don't allow, allow that, whether it's Luka Doncic or Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, whoever it may be in round two. But I still think you've got to take care, the, as he calls them, the lazy pass. If you're going to pass, be precise and throw it with intention, with authority. Uh, like the one that Royce threw, or excuse me, Donovan threw to Royce on a string last night. Look, that ball could have been picked off. It whizzed through traffic, but Donovan made the decision to deliver the pass, and it was it was a beautiful play. But a lot of times, uh, we see the Jazz get a little lax, and I think you still have to keep the, the I mean, the ball on a string. If you're going to make the pass, make sure you want to get it there, not lazily lay it out there. And teams understand. All teams, Jazz understand passing lanes, right? So you have to just make smart decisions, and then if you do turn it over, try to pedal back as fast as you can on defense. But when the Jazz struggle, it's usually turnovers, and teams are able to score off those giveaways. So that's the one thing maybe he can hang his hat on. I'm just thinking out loud and and grab more offensive rebounds, second-chance point opportunities for the Jazz. That's where I'd go. Do you have a preference you think either team, as far as who would be at advantage, disadvantage in the second round as an opponent? DK, I'd say let's kick this one around a little bit because I'm not sure. What do you guys see? I, I don't know if the chemistry is right in L.A. 
I, I just didn't think it last summer when Paul George said we really didn't come in here to try to win a championship, and my mouth kind of hit the ground a bit because that's why they brought him in, right, to yeah. team up with Kawhi to make that happen. I'm not sure. I'm just not – I don't don't know if the chemistry's right uh, with the Clippers. Dallas is a but, – but, again, talented. You know, when they're on, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are a dynamic duo. And they can score in bunches like they did last night—a late what nine zero run to to force a, you know, to to force some doubt and who was going to win that game. Um, I tell you, Luca, I've never believed that one guy can beat you in a seven-game series, but the guy is uber talented and can do it all—rebound, assists, and points. And then you got Porzingis if he stays healthy. So you know, look, the Jazz are going to have to go through. Potentially one of those two teams, obviously, and then the Western Conference Final. Um, you know, who who could that be? Phoenix, but you know, if, Paul, if uh, Chris Paul gets healthy with the shoulder, uh, man, it's still a long road right to the top. Um, I'm thinking Dallas in my head, only because uh, Kawhi Leonard has championship experience, and uh, I think Dallas is still growing like the Jazz, so. I could see Dallas beating the Clippers and making round two the Mavs and the Jazz. Kind of rhymes. <laughs> right? Okay. PK, I mean, I, PK's uh, preference all along has been central time zone teams because it avoids 8.30 starts. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't want to stay up till 11.30 watching post game when he's got to do morning radio. Yeah. So What's this stuff, man? Why am I up to 11.30 watching a ball game, right? When i got to be at the office by 6. Yeah, Come I on. can handle 10.30, but 11.30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that extra hour, PK, is important to you. I oh, know. No it. question. Too. Yeah. yeah. We've all been there. The Clippers. I mean, you got, are you guys picking Dallas? I think you're. you're I think Clippers? you're. I think you're spot on. There's three things to look at. One is, I think the Clippers have the more talented roster. I think the Clippers have the better playoff experience. I think that's not debatable. But right. the Clippers, there is something wrong. There's some chemistry issue. There's something going on there that if a team really puts them under pressure, you can get them to crack. The Nuggets did it last year. The Mavs might be doing it right in front of our eyes. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's just so weird to watch. There's something off. The Clippers shouldn't have been the four seed. I realize they played their way into the four seed, but they they shouldn't have been the three seed that chose to play their way into the four seed. You know. So there's there's that. I I think you're right about Dallas. I think you want the team with less talent. I think the Jazz should be favored over either team. I think they also can lose either team. There's no there's no slam dunk easy way out here. You know, either one of these teams could beat them, but I don't think that the Jazz have any reason to really, you know, I don't know, scared. I don't know how you get scared in a basketball playoff. That doesn't seem the right word. But you know what I mean? There shouldn't be any intimidation or scare factor there. It's, right, they've right. gone into series where there just didn't appear to be a path to victory, right? When they played the Warriors, uh, when they played the Rockets in the second round, they just didn't look like there was a chance they were going to win that. I, I think they're, I think they can be favored. Neither, well, I think they would be favored over Dallas. And could be over the clips, and even if they're not, that's I think because people just underestimate. Yeah. The, just when you think the Clippers have it together and get on a roll, it goes wrong, and it did in the regular season, and it has in the playoffs. It's really confounding. I think is the word we're looking for. Well, you're saying you know favorites. I think the Jazz would be a heavier favorite against Dallas, and maybe mm-hmm. Clippers would come in just because of uh, the Kawhi factor and Paul George. Maybe you know a one point type of spread favorite if you're looking at the Vegas odds. 
One thing we haven't talked about is the health of Mike Conley. I mean, upset that he you know walked off the floor last night. Indication was he felt like it wasn't as bad as his last <clears throat> um, hamstring issue, and that's just that's that's to me is disappointing during this run. Look, the Jazz are deep, and that's the that's that's the key word to all this. Um, and I'm sure Joe can speak to it later on the Joe Ingles show um, after his fourth cup of cut, Joe. But, you know, Mike's going to look the MRI, have an MRI today. He'll be evaluated. I thought he was more upbeat and positive. He knows his body, and he could just probably feel it tightening, so that's why he walked off and went to the locker room. But look, look how – PK, look at the series he had against Memphis. I mean, look at the gut punches and the kidney you know, punches he took from Dylan Brooks and the headbutts and kept his cool and average, you know, 20 and 10. I mean, he's a big he's a big piece of the puzzle right now. Yeah, Donovan can carry the load for a while, but if by chance the series with Dallas and the Clippers extends to seven, it only benefits the Jazz and Mike Conley, right? With yeah, yeah, yeah. Rest. That's why I think it's important that the uh, the Clippers win, no matter who they play, because I think that from the Conley perspective, he is your ultimate security blanket. Yeah, get the ball to Mike. And good stuff is going to happen, uh, and it may not go. The bucket may not go in, but it's going to be a good shot. I guess the shot, not the bucket, but the shot is going to be a good shot. It's going to be a good play. I mean, I don't recall watching him all the time in Memphis, obviously, but clearly right now he's playing the best as he has with the Jazz, and he is a major, major factor. And it would be a blow not to have him. So yeah. whatever it takes to get him healthy. That's what you do. So rather than, well, I'm worried about, do I would I prefer to play Dallas? Would I prefer to play the Clippers? I want it to see go seven, and then whatever happens, happens. Because if I have a healthy Conley, to me, that's the most important aspect going into round two. Yeah, totally agree. The way he's been able to score, shoot the three, and share the ball, and blend with Donovan's return after the, the game one, that Donovan was a late scratch. Uh, they didn't really miss much of a beat. They averaged, if I'm not mistaken, about, gosh, nearly, what, 50, 49 points in the series uh, with, in the backcourt. John and Dylan Brooks were dynamic. They were like 55 or something. So it was really kind of an interesting battle with the two backcourts in that series. But you're right, PK. Uh, you've got to have Mike somewhere in that series return in round two. And the longer the the Clippers and Dallas battle, the more tired they become, and the more rested and healed uh, Mike Conley becomes. I hope it's hope the MRI shows nothing, and it just goes through treatment and so a little bit of time to get him back on the floor. Bowler, as always, we appreciate it. You're the man. You know what's weird? What we refer to Mitchell as a late scratch. In game one, and that's a horse racing term. Mm-hmm. And he played at Louisville, <laughs> yeah. which is where Churchill Downs is. It, the parallels are so freaky. I like the ultimate security blanket with Conley. That was better. And I get why you like the horse. But and the whole Mitchell's a thoroughbred, too. Yeah, Watch him play. Here. I like the ultimate security blanket better. And he's a triple crown winner. All right, now. Easy does it. <laughs> and... He's not taking drugs. I was going to say he's not Bob Baffert. Hey, right. oh. Bob Baffert oh. 
Craig. Of course, you know Bob Batford went to school, college at the University of Arizona, which they teach. They literally have a major at the University of Arizona in how to cheat. Is that a three-hour or six-hour credit course? Well, you only put in three hours, but you get credit for six because you're literally cheating while (laughs) you're taking the class. Well done. Typical University of Arizona grad is a cheater. Wow. Who would have thought? From a sun devil. Yeah. Yeah. Obvious. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Well, all I can say is giddy up. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. Nice. Well done. (laughs) Way to leave on a high note, Costanza. Good work. Giddy up. There's Craig Boulderjack joining us late in yesterday's show. And after him, we spoke with Joe Ingles. And we'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5-1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles is an early riser. He joins us every week here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. But he's not going to join us in the 6 a.m. hour. He's not that early a riser. Uh, but we love to replay his interviews for you. Everybody wants to hear from Joe, especially after the series is clinched, like Bowler in the previous segment. Uh, you may hear some last nights in that, but um, you get the point. Here is Joe Ingles with PK and I. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic. And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. For a limited time only, get a free Utah Jazz signed Joe Ingles jersey when you open a new dream checking account with direct deposit at Cypress Credit Union. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. I know it's always a good morning when you're taking your kid to school and then... uh, Doing whatever you do with the rest of your day, but is it a little better when the playoff series win is in the back pocket? Oh, for sure, no, no doubt. Obviously, uh, the first part's very, very enjoyable. Getting to take my, well, to take Jacob to school this morning. Uh, unfortunately, Miller's on her summer break at the moment uh, before she starts summer school. So, um, yeah, just drop Jacob off and. Um, yeah, very nice to win the series. Um, I guess kind of get ready for the next one. Obviously, not not knowing who we're playing yet, but kind of start to think about the next round. Use this next couple of days until we know to to get some rest and get some treatment and um, get ready for for whatever whoever we're going to be playing next. Joe, I want you to get me Donovan Mitchell's autograph because he is a bad, bad man. How fun was it to watch that? 
you cut out at the start of that, I heard bad, bad man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Donovan Mitchell. I want his autograph, oh, man, because yeah. this kid is incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's. I've said it a few times. It's, it's just not surprising to me anymore, and it hasn't been for a very, very long time. Um, we. Uh, he does. Like we see it on a daily basis at practice. You see the work he puts in. Um, I've talked about the film. Um, just, just all that, all those things to prepare and be as ready as possible. Um, and then, obviously, at the end of the day, he's also got that. Um, I don't know what you call it, X factor. Actually, to to go out there and do it. Like you can prepare and work as hard as you want, but. Um, Sometimes it doesn't translate, or not not all of it will translate. But he goes out there, and um, I mean, there's, I know I know he's been great. I think the the best thing and the, the coolest part about how he's been playing is the the poise and the the reads off pick and roll. I think he he had that one turnover where he got blitzed, and I think he stepped on the line, or the ball went over the, the half court line. And apart from that, he, he's like they've played so many different styles of defense in this series against him um, whether it be dropping the big all the way back and like letting the guard kind of fight over and under whether it be, be blitz the, the big at the point of the screen switching um, I mean you name it they did it this series and um, yeah just to see his poise and his his reads against them is, is second to none so um, that was that was the coolest part for me and um, I mean, yeah, it makes everyone else's job a lot easier when he's playing at the level that he's playing at. So I get a lot of what you're saying, and I agree, but i got to say that last minute of the first half still stunned me. I mean, the look on his yeah. face, the way he was talking, he made you look like, you know, you, you, the stuff you say on the court is nothing. He was going at Dylan, <laughs> and I thought, honestly, I know everyone hates Dylan Brooks. I thought Dylan Brooks' defense on the shot with 48 seconds left, I thought he stayed with Donovan a long time. The replay showed Donovan yeah. trying to grab with the left hand. It'd be an offensive foul. It's like he's hooking him, sweeping him out of the way. I mean, i got to give Dylan Brooks a ton of credit, and Donovan still stuck that shot in his face. No, for sure. I mean, it was, I think that last one, myself and JC, or I can't remember who was on the court, were like wide open on the other side. It was just like, you could tell that Donovan gets in these like modes sometimes. <laughs> um, and it's like, it doesn't matter. He got five guys on him, and if you, like, we all stand there very confident that he's going to score. Um, obviously, the, the talk between him and Brooks was something that um, I think Brooks actually initiated a lot of it when Donovan was out that first game. And um, Donovan wasn't going to let him uh, <laughs> kind of get the, the upper step and, um, and be the one walking away with a series or a game or anything. So. Um, uh, like you said, though, I think um, I know everyone hates Brooks, but I mean the kid competes his ass off. He, he plays extremely hard. He's, he's obviously super talented. Um, I mean, one of the things we talked about a lot. I think the big. I think he there was a stat that came up in one of our meetings that I think he led the league in fouls this year. So obviously that's a big part. Of it. He fouled out two or three of the games. He had four or five in a couple of them. He had three or four in the first half of one of them. Like. That, that's the stuff that's obviously hurting him a little bit because he can't be out there as much as he, he his team needs him to be. So um, I know everyone hates him, but you've got to give him credit for 
regardless of the score of the series, he, he does play the same way. Um, but yeah, I think obviously Donovan. Um, I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you expect to do against Donovan when he's he's in that frame of mind and that aggressive and that confident. I'm always fascinated, Joe, on what motivates professional NBA players who are already at the highest level and what gets them going beyond. Because I think just walking into the building should be a ton of motivation. So from your perspective, when you see trash talking or whatnot and you hear guys on whatever uh, radio, show, television, well, I'm going to pick the Grizzlies or I don't think the Jazz are this good or whatever, how much does that actually motivate an individual to go out and maybe be a little bit better? I mean, some of it's just funny. Uh, I think some of it is you can clearly see in some instances people are literally just saying things for people to retweet or talk about or um, like there's, there's no, there's just no like facts in what they're saying. They're literally saying something about an individual or about a team, whether it be the Jazz aren't good or not going to win or whatever it may be, Joe sucks, Donovan Sola, whatever the the narrative behind it is, um, and they're literally just saying it for the for the, the clicks or the retweets or the, the the conversation. Like, oh, radio host X said this, and they get their name in the media a little bit. So some of it's just ridiculous. Um, some people, uh, I think, genuinely have debates with I don't know their guest or the the co-host or whatever it is, and they bring up good points or talk about interesting things. Um, I think the ones, I think there's certain people or, or shows or whatever you want to call it that you can read or see that you just like, they're literally doing this for clicks. And then some of it's like, like I said, you can tell that it's, they're, they're genuinely having a debate about, will the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Jazz or will they steal two games at home, like whatever the, the case is. So some of it, can motive, like I think individually individuals take it differently. Um, people could tell me I'm the best player in the world or the worst player in the world, and it's not going to affect me the way there's three or three people and a baby at home that are the ones that I I play for and that I want to, to respect from and the, to to make proud. Um, and there's a, a locker room and a coaching staff that, that the same same thing for. for and this is me. I'm talking about myself personally. So maybe Donovan reads something and does take it personally and, and goes out there and wants to prove some, something wrong. Um, everyone is different. For, for me, it's my, my family and, and my teammates um, and coaching staff, that kind of inner core of, of our, our jazz group. Um, if I'm doing what they need me to do and they know what I'm doing um, and I'm making them proud and doing um, what I need to do for us to win, then I'm going to sleep well at night. You can tweet to me whatever you want. It's going to uh, be water off a duck's back. So um, everyone takes it differently. It's just, uh, I don't know, you, like you said, some people use it as motivation. Some people disregard it and don't even kind of have a second thought about it. So when 
Donovan Mitchell is hitting these dramatic threes. Everybody can enjoy it and appreciate it. But there's a lot of little things that Quinn and the coaching staff ask out of you guys and in the scouting report and practices. And you get deep in the series, you've probably heard it over and over. We hear some of it in the Zoom calls, and I, and I try to watch for it. I'm curious what the little things are that the coaches, whether it's the assistant you work with or whether it's Quinn, really appreciate. And I'll give you an example. One thing I saw, Valanciunas was uh, just a beast on the offensive boards early in the series. And I thought Rudy really tried to run him. And I think that's been a point of emphasis for a long time. And it's hard for the seven-foot guys to get up and down the court. But Rudy was in a full-in sprint a few times. Valanciunas was trying to keep up with him. And I'm thinking, man, Valanciunas doesn't play at altitude. This has just got to kill him over the course of a game. And it probably makes him less of a factor on the backboards. We all appreciate Donovan going for 30. But what are some of the little things you did to win the series? Yeah, I think what you said at the start, it's the stuff we focus on as a team that we know can help us win games. And then there's stuff individually. Um, like as a, as a group, I think that one of the there's a couple of Valentunas is kind of involved in both, really. The, the rebounding was something that, was something that we, we had focused on. And, um, obviously, Rudy getting hits and the, and the guards getting hits because they were... They are a team that crash and they crash the boards. And um, <laughs> the games that they were in the game and the games that they um, made a run and when we had those leads, they were were games that we had or, or they had offensive rebounds, 16, 17 offensive rebounds, or six in a quarter, uh, or four or five in a three or four minute stretch. They're the ones that um, where the games were close or they got the game back. Um, the turnovers, obviously, for us is something that we, we focused on a lot. Uh, we, we know we're going to turn the ball over at times because we move the ball. Um, but there's also the, the bad ones that, that get them out in transition. Um, and I think as, as individuals, there's different things that different guys do in, in different games, or in this case now, series. Um, I think, I mean, for, for me, it was quite obvious the last couple of games how bad I was playing and trying to get in a flow a little bit and, it's like, all right, what can I do to help? Like, I can push the ball when I've got the ball and, like, get JC an, an easy touch or push it and pitch it to Donovan and get him downhill without him having to bring it up against pressure. Um, like, getting hits on the defensive end so Rudy's not down there fighting by himself. Whatever things we can do, I guess for me personally, but everybody's kind of in the same frame of mind. Um like what, what can we do to, to make it easier for the teammate? What can we do to um, help on a possession, to, to help Rudy on a rebound? And, and ultimately, everybody's goal at the end is, is to win the game. So, yeah, I can miss every shot, but can I get out there and, and get, for me, like it's like with that second year, like get JC touches in the right spot, get Donovan some possessions where he doesn't have to bring the ball up every time, or usually, usually it's Mike. Um, obviously more Donovan last night in the second half. Um, can I get Rudy a, a touch on a roll um, when they're playing a certain style of defense? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's different. And obviously the next series as a team, whoever we play will, will be different to what these ones are. There might be some some similarities that, that, that kind of roll over to the next series, but it will be some different things, whether it be the, the, the Mavericks or the Clippers. Um, and then again, same thing individually. Like, what what can we do as 
each individual to, to help our group and, again, ultimately um, win a game and, and win four games in a, in a series. So if shots aren't falling, and you've already acknowledged that they weren't falling for you in this series, uh, is it easy, hard to maintain confidence? Um, I mean, it's easy to maintain confidence because I know I put the work in. I know I shoot every day and I go and do this routine and I get extra shots up. I I know I'm doing the right things. Um, It's not like I missed a few shots and decided to sit on the couch and get drunk with a beer and pizza and try and like wipe my sorrows away um, I, I know I'm doing the, the, the right things in the process to, to, to make shots like I I mean some nights they, they go in some nights they don't and right. when they're not like I said I've got, I've got to find other ways to, to still be effective to still help Donovan, Rudy, Mike, JC all our, all our guys so um, yeah I mean I, I've, I mean we've talked about it a million times like I'm not going to force shots and um, if I've missed a few shots because I well, obviously I, I want to make shots I'm not, I'm not going out there to miss um, but I'm not going to force shots just to score just to make a couple three I'm not going to take bad shots to do that um, I think there's there's other ways I can impact the game and through some of those things I was I was saying before so um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely frustrating. It's not like I woke up this morning and was like, yes, I didn't make a shot. Like, this is awesome. Um, but I, I know I, I do the right things every day to put myself in a position to, to make those shots. And there's usually, like I said, the shots I take are the ones that I do practice. So, um, yeah, if only, if anything, stats and everyone looks up that, it just means I'm in for a, a little run here to, to yeah. make a string of a lot of shots in a row. And and then if you make a lot of shots in a row, I think the beer and pizza sounds pretty good too. <laughs> I think I'll hold off that for a little while, but uh, no, it'll be, it'll be nice. Obviously, it's, I mean, it was, it is frustrating. It's not like I, like I said, it's not like I, it, it was, it's like a double-edged sword. It's obviously, I was extremely happy we won the series and um, we're able to do it, especially the last couple of games with myself not, not playing well or not up to, to my standard or what I believe I can do to, to help the group. Um, but we won the series and I won't swear like I was going to swear, um, but we won the series and, and I know myself and, and obviously my teammates and stuff and the uh, some of the bozos on Twitter, um, everyone knows I can play, play better. I know that um, first and foremost. And um, I'll make sure I, like I said, get get some rest, get some treatment, and, and get ready for this uh, for this next series whenever we start. So I saw some uh, headlines in the news about Australia this week and it made me think of you, Joe. I saw a thing about uh, Australians and can they travel and go on vacation, or as Aussies like to say, on holiday. And there's real strict uh, restrictions on leaving the country and coming back because of the coronavirus pandemic. And I'm curious... Are you going to be able to go home this summer? Are there rules? Have you looked into that? Or is your wife looking into that? Uh, we've looked into it. It's actually, it's, uh, I laugh, but it's not funny at all. It's actually been, it's actually been really tough on, on both of us and our, and our family. Um, as you guys know, and, and probably we, we do go home every summer, um, usually. Uh, last, the summer just gone, we obviously couldn't with, COVID being as kind of hot as it was at that time. Um, and like you said, it's, uh, Australia had some, 
some fairly strict rules, um, and still do to this day. The rules have not changed since um, since kind of COVID first kind of, I guess, blew up the way it did. Um, so that, it's actually been pretty tough on our, just kind of our, I guess, our little family here, um, not being Renee's super close with her family, her parents, not being out of not being able to obviously come over here. Um, I mean, they could come over here, but they're they're obviously older too, and and they're travelling, and they're not vaccinated. Vaccin- I think Australia's had like one or two percent vaccinated in the country because of how well they did do early on um, with kind of shutting it out and kind of shutting the country down to a certain extent, or at least people travelling into the country. Um, and obviously, yeah, like uh, like I said, we we haven't been able to go home either, so. It's been, I think it's just over two years now, give or take, of us seeing anyone that's close to us. Um, not even just for us, for, for the kids. Um, I mean, Jack's nearly seven months now. He's never met a family member. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's been rough. Obviously, we, are, we understand why Australia has the rules they have because of, the, like, they're living normally in Australia. They're in a lockdown right now because of, I think like 20 cases or something, and they shut the. They're about to be 10 or 12 days into a, I think a 14 day lockdown um, over like 30 or 40 cases. Um, so yeah, I mean it's been tough, but we understand why they're doing and why they've got the rules. I guess that they've got, but um, at the end of the day, it doesn't make it any easier not seeing anyone um, close to you for for a couple of years. Well, here's to knocking down threes in the second round, Joe. We're behind you. Oh, I'm good, man. Uh, like I said, I, I know I put the work in. I know it's frustrating, obviously, for myself. It's probably frustrating for fans watching, being like, why doesn't he just make a shot? Like, <laughs> I've never once gone out there and, like, I'm going to go 0 for 6 tonight or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating, but like I said, I'll... I'll use these few days to, to get right and get ready and rest up and um, put put in some work, obviously, and, um, yeah, get get ready for this next series. It, I mean, it can't get much worse than the last couple of games, can it? So I can only go up. There you go. You're due. It's a baseball expression. Have Donovan explain it to you. I've heard he's kind of into baseball a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to win a lot of money on our bets, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd bring that up. All right, Joe, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Of course. Appreciate it, guys. All right, there's Joe Ingles. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. I'm frustrated, you know, frustrated for sure. You know, it's something that I've worked tires tirelessly tirelessly i guess that's worth you know kind of night and day on and you know put a lot of effort into it showing up early staying late strengthening running conditioning everything and you don't know when it's you know when it'll happen or why it happens it just does and for me it's you know it's never been a, like a true hamstring pull where it just knocks you out it's just like you know a small tweak that's just enough to cause discomfort and worrisome folks so that's the frustrating part that's Mike Conley talking about his hamstring issues. He's going to be 
reevaluated before game one of the second round to determine his availability to face whoever it is the Jazz are facing in game one of the second round. So right hamstring strain and uh, the Jazz with the release PK, that's a definite maybe. We'll talk to you before game one. Oh, he in. Yeah? Yeah. You're feeling it? Yeah. Because? Day to day, it's mild. These playoffs, you don't sit out with something that's mild, do you? Man, this just brings us back to game one of the last series. <laughs> no, Donovan's going to go, I'm 100% sure, until he didn't go. So I don't know, maybe they'll be really careful. I'm so, so in love with you. Who whatever you want me to. I don't know if we're going to get a sports show done this morning. If the, the music's going to be this good. Let me guess. We're live at Thanksgiving Point. Alema Harrington's got his golf do do? tournament down here. What did he do? Move the speaker five feet? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 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 We're on the back deck. If you've been down here, we got the view over the course all the way to Redwood Road facing west. This is this is his song. Since we've been together. Ooh, loving you your forever. hamstring forever. This is what he's saying at a jazz. This Come is on, con- Mike. This is Hit intervention from above. It's Conley talking to Jazz. Right. He's telling the medical team. I love it. I get your logic, but after the last round, I can't guarantee anything. I know, but that's you. You never guarantee anything anyway. Yeah, we'll get to that <laughs> in a second. You're comfortable after Donovan Mitchell in the last round guaranteeing that Mike Conley's going to go in this Ask round. me ten more times this morning and see if the answer changes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with him, whether at times you're good or bad, happy or sad. Ah! Yeah. The other feel-good jazz news this morning. What? (laughs) Are we going to try and do a sports show? Eh? T. Moran, father of Grizzly star Ja Moran, told Donovan Mitchell he's pulling for the jazz moving forward. That's That's a relief. Y'all didn't have to do that. Didn't have to show us love like that. That's what I'm saying. When bleep goes bad and then you out, that's how you bridge the gap. Most people don't realize that. That's why I appreciate you and I hope the Jazz win the championship. Okay. I, I can't bear to hear, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When we continue, if you can hear us, <laughs> NBA playoffs. Let's do it, Yak. Hashtag NBA. The Nuggets take down the Blazers, 126-115. The Joker goes for 36 points, eight boards, six assists. And they rally in the fourth quarter and win the game and actually pull away and win it it pretty comfortably there. Good second-half comeback from the the Nuggets, and Portland could not score in the fourth quarter. It's amazing, man. That... The, the complexion of the game, everything changed so dramatically. That, I mean, the, the Trailblazers were in control of that thing for 30-some minutes. And then it, when it went, it was gone. 
I mean, it was it was amazing. It was unbelievable. And Denver was just like an onslaught of wave that couldn't be stopped. And there was nothing Portland can do. Now all this mourning over Damian Lillard not getting out of the first round. And he did what I did in this situation. He quoted Nipsey Hussle in his uh, rap song dedication. And, of course, you have uh, it features Kendrick Lamar. And I'd like to rap it for you. But this is public radio, and uh, then the FCC would get cranky. Then your bosses would get cranky, and then there'd be meetings. Young Black gets we the avoid word Friday meetings, PK, and he can't change it. No, he a genius. He just can't claim it because they left him no platforms to explain it. He frustrated, so he get faded. But deep inside, he know he you can't fade him. How long should I stay dedicated? I mean, when I've had down times in my life, I go to write to Nipsey Hussle also. Damian Lillard bailed him out in game five for a while and got him to overtime and double overtime with an outrageous shooting performance that was wildly entertaining. But one for six at the end of this one, nobody can sustain the shooting the way he did in game five. You just can't keep that up. You take the loss. Bleep, don't cry about it. Just embrace it. Minor setback for major comeback. That's my favorite. My, I can't say that word, but they can. Said you do a song with Nip K. Dot, he better crip. I said he man first. You hear the words out his lips. Would you rather hear that or Al Green? Uh, You know I'm a little more of an Al Green guy, so that's a rhetorical (laughs) question. Now don't blame me, man. I'm just quoting the words. Monty Morris stepped up with 22 points again. How about that? Him backing up a good game five with a big scoring punch for the Nuggets off the bench in game six. This ain't entertainment. It's for, I can't say that word, but they can. On the slave ship, these these songs, just the spirituals, I swam against them, waves wit. When we change to the Suns and the Lakers, you going to let that go? Oh, look at you. you. You keep running from it while you enjoy me doing it. That is so the you. The Suns... <laughs> Up early. <laughs> no one's going to come at me. I'm just 20. reading the lyrics. Relax, buddy. You're free and clear. <laughs> and led by as many as 29. <laughs> oh, the sun comes up on the from the east. The DJ runs from anything that might be. It's Damian Lillard quoted it. I'm just reciting the quote, bringing the people what's in the mind of the Weber State guy. And now LeBron has lost a first-round series for the first time ever. AD tried to go for five minutes. It looked futile. It was futile. I told you on Tuesday that he couldn't play. Yep. Jeez. All the news yesterday, he's going to start. Like, what did he freaking do? He ain't going to play. He can start, but he isn't going to (laughs) play. Five whole minutes. My guys never let me down. Of largely nothing. Yeah, one move. Booker took him on one little move to the basket, and he, he done. And he quoted Captain and Tennille, love will keep us together. <laughs> Cracking yourself up. <laughs> now the Lakers have a half dozen free agents and over $100 million already committed next year with LeBron getting over $40 million of it. So roster moves coming. What will they do? Dennis Schroeder was getting $15 million, and now he's a free agent. 
he gone? Are they going to get a bunch of guys around LeBron and hope that the two guys are healthy next year? And if they are, they'll make another run of it. If they're not, then they don't, they're not going to get anybody who's going to be a difference maker. Their bench guys, Matthews, Harrell, Morris, Caruso, all free agents as well. As Kuzma, man, what is his deal? This guy, he took the world by storm and then just some, some games he barely exists. Yeah. 18 minutes, he got two points, four rebounds, no assists. And they traded everybody else, Ingram and Ball. And they kept and, Kuzma. Uh, who was the other guy? Hart, I think they gave him. And it seemed like it was a great trade. And I guess they won a title, so at least they got one. Uh, but you wonder if they would have had to play a regular season that was a regular season. And then in the postseason, would Anthony Davis have been able to sustain it? Because he's missed 30% of the games eligible to play since he's been Laker uniform. And without him, they had no chance. Suns are on to the second round to face the Nuggets. How about Booker, man? Wow. Booker came out on fire. 33 points at halftime. Finished with 47. And he was like a 12th, 13th, 14th pick. It's good to see. I think it's good for the league when it's not just the top two or three players and whoever is fortunate enough to get them, they win. Because Booker was a low pick. The Jazz can have opportunity, but they thought Trey Lyles was a better fit for them. Obviously it wasn't. And then the Suns right next to him took Booker. Uh, I mean, those things happen. I, I can't complain on GMs missing because every GM misses. Jerry West missed. So... I think it's great for the league that somebody can be a little later pick, a la Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and make a significant, massive contribution. Man, he looked as good as there was in the game, at least for one game last night particularly. Really, I was going to say early, but actually throughout the whole game. And if you just keep running through the playoff rosters, you got the Joker was the second-round pick. Foreign guy, a little bit different. Yeah. Than the traditional, but nonetheless, back kid. to your point, you don't have to dump games. Try to get the one pick if it doesn't work. Dump games again. Try to get the number one pick. You know, go through the process in Philly. Does anyone want to sit through five years of that? When you can get a Booker or a Mitchell in the middle of the first round, or Gobert at the end of the first round, and Jokic in the second round. Yeah, but nevertheless, the Suns sat through five years of it. They did. I think this is Booker's fifth year. I think he came out one year ahead of Donovan Mitchell, didn't he? And they struggled before that pick, too. So uh, That's funny, too. Uh, not funny in a ha-ha sense. But the Suns had all those high draft picks that they blew. And, and then they then, hit on Booker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> top ten picks, and I don't think they have anybody left. And they four of them come to mind are off the top of my head. And none of them lasted. And here they are with somebody who wasn't. And he's a superstar. You never know. Tonight, one game, Clippers and Nuggets. Clippers and Mavericks, excuse me. Clippers and Mavericks, game six, seven o'clock. Dallas up, three games to two. I think you were just calling. You were forecasting the Western Finals right there, weren't you? Wow. Oh, you think Denver and Dallas? (laughs) I don't know. We can get to this this morning, but this door is just flung wide open for the Jazz. The Lakers are out, and the Clippers could be done in 12 hours. Uh-huh. Well, a little more uh-huh. than 12 hours. 14 hours. Well, they got to win twice, obviously. Yep. All right, DJ and PK. 
Hashtag NFL. So there's optimism this time of year, PK. For who? Everything's going to be better. For what? It'll all be better in the new building. I've never felt that way. The New England Patriots. I don't know what you're talking about. Josh McDaniels, (laughs) offensive coordinator, says Cam Newton's going to take a step forward in his second year. After Belichick declared Newton is the team's top quarterback. He worked his butt off last year to do it. He came back this year in a much different position. He has a different grasp of the offense, a different understanding of the terminology. Now we're working on refining the precision, the details. See if they can throw the ball down the field. I'm going to go two things on this to quote you. All right. I think you're always better your second year. Fact. And then I think even though it was the NFL level, so it was different, and the colleges have refused to use last year as an evaluation to the negative. To the positive, okay, Ty Jordan, he was alive. I would pick the use to win the the division, if not the conference, because he was absolutely sensational. That wasn't a fluke. But if you didn't play well, I'm a little, I'm a lot, actually, a lot less inclined to make permanent judgments because they had a bunch of guys opt out and all that stuff. And so last year was so screwy that I'm going to give these guys the benefit of the doubt because it's not like Josh McDaniels' job is on the line. It's not like Bill Belichick's job is on the line, right? So why come out and say this stuff if you didn't have at least some shred? Now, you want to pump up your guy. I get that. So you want to be positive, right? I understand that. But they don't have to go to this level. So I believe there's some truth there. And I'm expecting – I've always been a Cam Newton fan anyway – for whatever reason, I just, I've always liked his style, the way he plays, and he seemed to be one of these guys who was good, but yet took all sorts of abuse, so I sort of, in my own mind, stuck up for him, so I want to see him succeed, and the Patriots, people are waiting them to fail, for them to fail, and I think it'd be a cool story if they succeeded, uh, like Tom Brady did, that was a cool story, right? So, I believe that he's going to be better this season. I think for the players that moved, but especially the quarterbacks who have to have this complete grasp of everything and make all these split-second decisions, uh-huh. well, for all the players, but certainly for the quarterbacks who moved, the offseason was so different. Right. There was such limited time to get to know your teammates in the system. Certainly we saw Brady and the Bucks improve over the course of the season. Even someone as wildly talented as him with an offense that was loaded with skill players the way his was, there was a learning curve for those guys. And they got better. And so any of the guys who moved who are going to new teams, and you're right about the second year. We've seen it in the NFL. We've seen it in the NBA a lot uh, that you can really settle in and there's more familiarity and you just know what's coming. And I look back to when I was 11. My Little League season was decent. But when I was 12, man, I was, the problem is I had a killer season. But that was as good as it's ever gotten. So that, that was my issue. Once I turned 13, Bucks quarterback coach Clyde Christensen to Tom Brady underwent surgery for a, uh, in the offseason for a knee issue labeled a, a nagging nuisance. That's sort of like me to you, isn't it? A nagging nuisance? Yeah. Like uh, you were uncomfortable when I was quoting those day. rap lyrics? Because you're worrying about, oh no, what are the supervisors going to think? <laughs> That's a nagging nuisance. That was a nagging nuisance. That, to that moment was a nagging nuisance. <laughs> you're, not, you're not capable of sustaining it the way you used to, though. <laughs> The game has slipped. I can quote more. There's a whole (laughs) lot more lyrics to the song. (laughs) Oh, man. So, is Brady actually going to be better? He's in his 40s. He doesn't need to be better. They're saying he's going to be better. Is he healthier? 
He'll be healthier. He'll okay. be better. Does, now, of course, you never it, know the next injury right, that's out know, there. If if health equals better, then yes. But talent, I don't know that he'll be better. And he doesn't need to be better. They're loaded. They won the Super Bowl. They look pretty good to me. Bucks assistant head coach Harold Goodwin offered his support to former NFL offensive lineman and assistant coach Eugene Chung after Chung's revelation that he was called not the right type of minority during an NFL coaching interview. What does that mean? What? You're not the right type of minority. Well, I I assume it means that you're of Asian descent and we need minorities, but we need to hire African Americans. So you're not the right type of minority. I don't know who said it. I don't know that person's history. I don't know what issue that club has had with the league and the Rooney rule. But when I hear it, that's what I assume. It doesn't make any sense to me. This is two days in a row we've heard that. Because if you if he's not getting is he not getting a job because he's not black? Well, that's not good. But if a black person got the job, say whatever job he was after, would that change everything? Oh, now we're set. Now we're good to go. Um, it's not about one person getting a job. It's about equal opportunity for everyone. So I don't really understand the fundamental principle of well, I think why someone would say that to him. The fundamental principle of people being judged on, you know, what skills they have and, you know, the content of their character to go Martin Luther King. Yes, but again, you know that there's the Rooney Rule and the NFL doesn't want bad publicity, and the NFL leans on teams. And so he hasn't said what team it is. We don't know what history they have with the Rooney Rule, what was going on in that market. So how is this going to be bad publicity if he got the job? Well, there were jobs he apparently didn't get. Right. Because of the right. So if he, whatever job he got, if he were to get a job, how would that be bad publicity? I don't, I don't know. I don't know where it was. I don't know the situation. Well, it doesn't matter. Any situation, <laughs> generally speaking, you don't need to know the specifics to answer the question. How would it be bad publicity if he got a job in the NFL, whatever job uh, that he just, viewed himself qualified for? I don't see maybe it would bad. be a, Maybe it would be a staff that wouldn't have a single African-American. That would be seen as bad. A, a club would take heat for that. Just, that doesn't exist. Okay. Well, you asked me what it would be. I don't, I mean, that's what it would be. Okay, but so they only, have, they only have one African-American assistant. I don't know what kind of trouble they were in with the league. You have to know the club... And the situation answers specifically what the problem would be. I don't think so. Because if you have one or if you have two, it's not about that. It's not about one or two. It's about dozens and dozens. It's about qualified people being able to get jobs that they're qualified for. That's the issue. It's not about an individual. It's about the whole concept. So you think it's just a club that doesn't uh, sign up for the concept and doesn't, uh, doesn't see how Chung would help them, and so this is just a way to dismiss him? You're going to the specifics, and that's hard to answer yeah. uh, on that. Uh, I, I on on the surface, it looks like we got to hire a black guy to get the league, to get the media, right. to get somebody somebody off, off our, our back. back. Yes, I agree. But that hiring a single person doesn't solve the issue. That's what I'm saying. It's it, the issue is far greater than any yes. individual. Agree. They're just trying to get through the moment and quote unquote win the press conference. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. 
Open Doors, a company that's partnered with dozens of college athletic departments on name, image, and likeness programming, announced a deal with Twitter that will allow athletes to monetize video posts on the social media platform. Open Doors' deal with Twitter will give college athletes the opportunity to start earning money from content they create and tweet with just a few taps on a smartphone. Man, that's a long, I lost you. <laughs> they found third party because football coaches can't help do this. Athletic departments are finding a third party that's going to help the players cash in. Yeah, when? Before I die here? <laughs> and yesterday, Manziel said he made a good living off of signing autographs. Yep. Those new rules go into effect July 1 in many states. And uh, the fact is that if you don't believe these players have been getting money, I can't tell you enough the how stories. many times. Yeah. The stories. They're that already tell. getting money, so let's make it above board as much as possible. And a Manziel, if somebody wants to pay him for his autograph, he should get money. It's going to be awesome because we're going to. We're going to hear stuff like, that's the last question. We don't have time to do interviews. They don't have time to be available today. And then they're just going to be sitting around on their own time doing media, creating content, getting paid. <laughs> Fine. I'm all for it. Yeah. This is July 1, PK. If you're still alive, it'll start. Well, I hate to go Shanahan, but I can't guarantee I'll be alive on Sunday. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> well played. Well played. When did he drop that? Was that on, like, the Wednesday the day before, before the, the draft, draft, right? Yeah. He couldn't it was guarantee Jimmy G. It was Jimmy G about gonna, trade. Yeah. Is he going to be on the roster? I can't guarantee him he's going to be alive. Yeah. Okay, you're listening to Jimmy G trade offers. Uh, you may not be trying to move him, but you're definitely picking up the phone to see what the offer is. Why wouldn't they? Right? All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Fernando Tatis Jr. is back, and he homered. And there was a little good fortune mixed in the 17th home run of the year, PK. Almost close to coming back. Center fielder had his glove on the ball. The ball was in the glove. Then the glove hits the top of the wall. It slips out and basically rolls over the wall. He's such an exciting player, and that's great to hit the home run. And it was a not like it was a fluke home run by any stretch. We've seen that happen. Uh, but yet... He scores on a wild pitch in which the ball gets only a few feet away, yes. which is just as exciting to me because he's so he's so daring. He's got speed. He's got instinct. And he oh, knows he's yeah. a showman. And people come out to watch him put on a show. But in a one-run game, it's not just the show. You know, it's they needed that run. They won 4-3. to three, And the way he slid into home plate – you know, lean into his right to get away from the – dragging the leg across the plate to get away from the tag. Yeah, but that's Was that you, the difference? That's you because you're a Padres fan, but 95% of the people aren't Padre fans. They want to be entertained, so it is the show. That's precisely why they have the sport. It is the show uh, to be entertained, and he is entertaining, and he sets about entertaining you. He hits a home run, and he has a strut. And he does all that stuff. Oh, yeah, it's he was strutting A home run is base. a run, but he is about the show. He's adding to the game that desperately needs flair and all those types of things, and that's exactly what he brings. It would also be good if he could catch double play, uh, double play balls at second base. Drop the potential double play. Loaded the bases. And then they got a double play and got out of it anyway. So they escaped. Got multiple balls hit on the ground to second base, and eventually they turned one and got out of there with a win. 
Giants beat the Cubs 7-2. San Francisco still in front in the National League West. Unexpectedly, the story continues. It's not a fluke now. We're into June. And the Rays and the Yankees split a four-game series. Ryan Yarborough goes the distance. Tampa had gone like 731 consecutive games without a complete game. Oh, for the Rays? That's like breaking news. Five years without a complete game. And they got it done. And split the series with the Yankees. Bees open the series at Tacoma with a 10-5 win over the Rainiers. Game two in the series is tonight at 8.05. Listen to the action here on the Zone Sports Network. All right, coming up, Alema Harrington is going to join us at 8 o'clock. We're at his golf tournament, Thanksgiving Point. We will talk playoff basketball with the host of the Jazz pre-half and post-game shows. And also coming up, 9 o'clock, David Locke, his weekly visit. And so that is on the way as well. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. For the Utah Jazz. Get out of the way. Round one is done. Got it. As Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Mike Conley sent the Grizzlies pack. Donovan! Now it's on to round two as the Jazz make a push to an NBA title. I live for the hunt. I live for it. Won't stop till I get what I want. Won't stop. I don't care what it takes. Yo, Ingles! Jordan Clarkson! Hear every second of every moment of Utah Jazz playoff basketball. It's all about survival. Right here on your exclusive home of the Jazz. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Zone Sports Network. Flex, Rudy, flex! Hot Takes of Toast, brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. Mavs Eclipse, who do you want in the second round? You know, it don't matter, man. The door has now been flung wide open. The big bad beasts are out. <laughs> the Suns have sent the Clippers to the sidelines for the summer. And I don't want to discount the Suns by any stretch. The Lakers, they, yes. it's, uh, the Suns have uh, dispatched the Lakers. But I don't want to discount any of these teams that are still available, which... Obviously, that doesn't include the Lakers or Portland anymore. Uh, and I think they're all capable of beating the Jazz. But in my mind, the Jazz are clearly the favorite to go to the finals. Now, the Nets are going to be very, very difficult, but we'll worry about that down the road. Uh, with this happening, and to a large degree, we can celebrate the Lakers being out. I get it. This is an anti-Laker community. I don't have any problem with that, as it is virtually everywhere in the West outside of uh, – Los Angeles itself, and then wherever the people who've got fed up with all the stuff that goes wrong with California have moved to, well, many of them here, so that we've got a fair amount of Laker fans, as they do in Phoenix and Seattle and Portland and so forth. And they don't have a team in Seattle anymore, at least not for now, until A-Rod moves them. But doesn't matter. Does not matter who they play. They should win. That's the great thing about it, man. We'll find out who really believes in this team. 
now. Because if you're saying, oh, I want the Mavs, that means you don't really believe in the, in the Jazz. <laughs> well, I think in the West, the odds, if you go back, the Lakers had the best odds, but then, you know, they had all their injuries and they got beat, so they're out. But the team of the next best odds were the Clippers. So I think there might be some people still holding on to that. And I think if you watch the Clippers play, okay. they just don't look right. And well, that means you don't they believe don't, in a Jazz. They don't look right. Fine. I don't care whether they look right or wrong or left or right or up and down. It doesn't matter. It's about the Jazz. And right now, in my mind, the Jazz are the favorite to come out of the West. I don't see how you can argue that, really, honestly. I'm not saying that just to stir crap up. I really, really believe it. Because I believe in his team and a talent. And the, and the makeup. When I listen to Mitchell talk like this, man, it just gets me excited each time he talks because I think he really understands the whole deal. You know, this is one series. We got to do it again, and then he went two more agains. So that's a total of three agains, and they've already done it once. So that's four agains. So four agains puts you in the finals. All right, and that's what he's thinking. And in order to be a champion, you have to think like a champion. You want to win the ship. You have to believe you can do it. It can't be, well, we'll go out there, and if things break our way and we play the best, we'll see what yep, happens. that'll get you beat. And I believe that he really believes it. Calvin believes that he would like to see the Jazz play the Clippers. He says, I'll be in the minority here, but I'll prefer the Clippers. That roster is incoherent and borderline dysfunctional outside of two players. And honestly, the matchup looks better in my opinion. I don't think it matters. But if you think that... That's your opinion, and so can't be wrong. I think the Jazz are favored, but are they favored by more against one team? No, I don't care. You know, you got to do is win four. The first one to four. It's not going to be easy either way, if that's what you're looking for. Right, but when you pose a question like that, people are going to think which one is easier. Right, and I hope, but that most of our listeners have watched enough games to know that what you just said is true. I it's posted not that be question. Easy. Go ahead. It's not going to be easy, but the Jazz. I think we'll be favored against either team. I think Agreed. most people Agreed. think they're going Agreed. to win. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Maybe we'll get down to the end of the road and it will be. See, that question was posted before the Lakers were eliminated. And the Lakers, the, basically, the Lakers obviously are comprised of two stars. Yes. And one of them couldn't go. And the other one, not 100%. But, I mean, I don't criticize LeBron. He gave whatever he had and they came up short. He didn't have enough ammunition in his body and on his roster, so be it. It happens. Uh, but with them out, it I woke up. Well, I went to bed because I knew the score. I watched the game. Uh, well, I went to bed last night thinking, man, the, the Suns, the Jazz really are in the driver's seat now. There's no obstacle that they can't overcome. I don't know if they could have beat a healthy Lakers. We'll never know. I don't know if the Suns could have beaten the healthy Lakers, but they didn't have to. They had to beat that version of the Lakers, and that version of the Lakers obviously was not good enough. So with all that in mind, in my mind this morning, the Jazz are the favorite. And I get it because I've been thinking, you know, who do you want? Who do you match up better? Because it is about matchups to an extent. It's not necessarily, well, you want the easier path. It's who do you think you match up against? Because you could think you match up against – Team A or B, in this case, the Clippers or the Mavs. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're saying that means it's easier. You just believe it's a better matchup for whatever the reasons and the circumstances are. So it doesn't necessarily mean easier. 
I think if there's one team that you believe the Jazz can get out earlier against, then you want them. And I think Conley's hamstring, however touchy this thing seems to be as it happens again, fewer games, more rest. If you can beat somebody in five games instead of beating them in six or seven, get that team. Sure. But that doesn't mean that in game one it does it's tweaked again because he just had a whole freaking week. I know. And then we go I the know. next week and it's tweaked. So nothing means anything really. It could mean something. So like, I buy your logic on paper, but that doesn't have any applicability still no to reality necessarily. Well, was, if you just join us, we played that from him about forty minutes ago, half an hour ago, whatever it was. Yeah, the other night. And and he said there doesn't paraphrasing, but there basically doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason why this happens. Precisely. It just happens. The exact phrase I was going to use. And so, yes, he had a week off, and that feels like it should be better, and it might be in a week in the future, but in this week we just went through it wasn't enough. But He had the downtime. He missed time at the end of the regular I season. I took all sorts of encouragement when they said mild strain. Mild. Yeah. That's positive. <laughs> yeah. I, That's on, like the best news you could get. On paper, it, it probably is. You're right. But because it just seems to just happen, I think you worry about that. Because he did have all this time off, I think you worry about that. And yeah. if we want to talk hamstrings, we talk with that guy because he knows. He's got hamstrings? He does. <laughs> Two of them. They're probably yeah. tight also. Ron, oh, now oh, oh, no, Ron Boone is now limping away. <laughs> Get that, get that man an Emmy or an Oscar. That's a good act. And he didn't break stride either because he knows what he's doing. He doesn't want to sit down and talk to us. That's right. You can hear me, Booner. I know you can. I'm loud. All I got to say is when I turn his age, I hope I look as good as he does. All right. Father time is on the back foot with him. It may not be beaten, but he's it's on the back foot. He's in his 70s. I know. And he could easily pass for I don't 60. know that I've – probably in the face, if I saw a picture of him 15 years ago, I could see it. But you don't see him age day to day. No. No, and he easily looks 10, if not 15 years yeah. younger than he really is. And he always seems in a good mood. He's like my hero. He talks basketball and plays golf. Yeah. All right. Well, it's kind of what I do, too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't play it at the pro level like he did. Uh, so y- you can't figure out what this hammy's going to do. They just got to do what they do, and, and Joe has been on our show so many times, and we're grateful for him coming on for seven freaking years. It's unparalleled, literally, probably anywhere in sports talk to have somebody, the same guest, who especially was a scrub and now is an integral player. And he's talked about the training staff and all, how it's top-notch, and I don't think he says it just to say it. He doesn't need to say it if he doesn't believe it. So the point being that they know what they're doing there, and – they can get him as rehabbed as possible. That doesn't necessarily mean he's good to go, not good to go, whatever. But they're going to do everything that they can. So you just have to march on and face who you face. Bottom line for me is I feel very confident in whoever wins this series. If it should be the Mavs tonight or the Clippers or Mavs on Sunday, I feel confident that the Jazz could win. So to me... I think right now, I love your theory of the rest. That that only that's inarguable. So I want the Clips to win tonight. Extend it seven. Yeah, yeah. Extend it to seven. Give give Mike as much time. Time may not solve it, right? But it's not going to hurt it. So you're sort of playing the odds of something you really can't control. Well, because to I agree. because there's a um, because I think there's a lot of truth in what you just said that the Jazz are the favorite. 
it doesn't make him an overwhelming favorite. No. And I don't even know that, you know, if they parcel out the odds, if you should give him a 50% chance, you know, you could have a 40% chance of being the team that goes to the NBA Finals in the West. It makes you the favorite. But everybody else is pretty good and has got a pretty solid chance, too. I, I agree. We're not looking yeah, at any of the teams yeah. that are left and giggling and thinking, come on. Come on. I never thought Portland could get out of the West. Could they win a series? Sure, they could win a series. Yeah. But they're just so dependent on smaller guys who spend so much energy and have got to hit threes. And you could say it's the Jazz, but it's not. Because the Jazz have like six, seven different guys who could hit threes one night and swing a game. Yeah. And the, and the Blazers have two. And they got, the dude they in got the two. Oh, they're gone. So. Yeah. So, you know, I never thought they were going to do it. The teams that are left, you all think they can do well, it. Well, they got superstars. Yeah. And that's basically it, is that we look at the Clippers, and we know they aren't passing the eye test. They don't look right. But the talent and the two guys at the top of the roster, that's how a lot of NBA title teams have been built. You know, and, and the problem for everybody is that now the Nets have three of those guys at the top of the roster. But like you say, worry about that when you get to the finals. You got to get through these next yeah. two rounds, and that's what. Every, well, in Dallas and L.A., the Clippers and Mavs, I think they still got to get through this round. But I still, in my heart of hearts, think that it's if I were going to go the easier path, think it would be the Mavs, because Doncic is all world. The guy's incredible, but at the same time, he's never had a playoff game in which he did not play the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> That is funny. But six games with the Clippers last year. Yeah. And here they come with game six. So this would be his 12th playoff game, and they've right. been against the Clippers. So how do I – I mean, he's really good. There's no question about it. He should have been the number one pick. And at least Phoenix got a decent guy. Sacramento, they should fire everyone who was involved in that. So uh, with that in mind, uh, I think the Mavs would be a little bit easier. But who knows? Sit down, Yeah, Mr. we're on Smith. right now. You're looking live. Michael Smith, former BYU Cougar, currently works with Lem on the Jazz pre-half and post-game shows. You've watched him during the playoffs. Although now you're not going to be allowed to do the second round. So I'm pumping it up. But I know. That's terrible. Know. Are you still going to do the show before and after, though? Uh, I think it's yet to be determined. Like oh, I'd like to see Speaking it. with some of our Jazz people prior to Game 5. I said, are we going to go on and do the next rounds? And they said, obviously, we're not allowed to do the game, compete yeah, against yeah, the game. Yeah. I said, why don't we do a pregame and a postgame on the website and drive content? So I think that's being discussed. I'm, well, if I had a vote, I'd say yes. I think it'd be a blast. I think it'd be a blast. Oh, people would flock to it like crazy. I know. and The, the interest is just going sky high. And listen, it's only going skyer and higher. Tell me the stars aren't aligning right now. That's what we're just talking I about. I know. You read our mind. <laughs> Get the Lakers out of there. Do they look awful or what? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so <laughs> we up a Laker, I grew up a Laker fan. I'm not so much in love with the Lakers anymore. But. We were just discussing Mavs or Clippers, though. Is there an advantage? We think the Jazz will be favored against either team. The Clippers are the stars at the top of the roster, and that's the way you traditionally build a championship team, but they don't pass the eyeball test. Chemistry, personal relationships, roles being poorly defined. You know, we could go round and round about what's wrong, but you just look at them and something looks wrong. Something's not right, and it should be right, right? It, it yeah. just should be. They're all bought in. Last year was a debacle. We're ready this year. I mean, there's championship DNA there because Kawhi's won more than a title. Ty Lue's won a title. What is Ty Lue, one of seven coaches in the league with a title? Carlisle will be another one, so either way you're going to face yeah. a title-winning coach. But just on paper, guys, the Clippers defensively, I think, are a bad matchup for what 
the Jazz like to do. The Jazz have wing players that are playmakers. The Clippers have length in Kawhi and Paul George and even a Nicholas Batum who you don't care about, right? He doesn't scare you offensively. But he's six foot eight with a 6'11 wingspan. You put him on bogey, and all of a sudden those easy jumpers bogey makes now is contested. So in that way, they're a nightmare uh, in terms of a matchup. But you're right. Something's missing. I personally would prefer the Mavericks because Gonna get I, just, the Mavericks though, I, I just think Porzingis is uh. unproven and as great as Luka is. Luka is the modern-day Larry Bird. He just doesn't have Mikhail Parrish and Dennis Johnson and Danny Ainge by his side. So it's going to be the Mavs, though, isn't it? They're going to win one of the next two. If I were a betting guy, I would say the Clippers win tonight. Really? And force game seven. But the road teams won every game. That's mind-boggling to me. But I'm hoping the Mavs win just because, I don't know, to me it feels right. Let's get a new champion, get the Lakers out of there, get the Clippers out of there. Let's. The West then seems fun, right? Denver, Utah, Phoenix. Who's our fourth? Clippers or Mavs. And the Mavs, probably, right? Yeah. It's and all in the new East. Meat. In the East, we'll see, but... We'll see the Nets in the East, won't we? I would think so, but Milwaukee's playing really well. I think that's going to be fun, but I'm hard to beat the Nets. I think with the Lakers going down, I went to bed last night thinking that the Jazz are the favorites. Listen, I think a lot of it depends on Conley's health, if that's serious or not. I I tend to think he's going to play, and I tend to think he'll be he'll be fine. So... Can they plug Ingles in in the short run? And if Conley misses a couple games, if he's out a week and he misses two or three games, if, and the Jazz are playing the Mavericks, it, aren't the Jazz still favored? Yes, for sure. Right. If there's anything we've learned is that the Jazz can go for a period of time without a player. They're interchangeable. Multiple playmakers works right. in his system, which is great, right? Let Joe have the ball. Let you know Donovan on the point. It's going to be fun. I hope we do some sort of show. I do, too. You can certainly call me on Tuesday mornings. Yeah. I, I would have you out on the plaza. <laughs> it would be a blast. People are going to come down. Yeah. They'll yeah. be there for home games. Yeah. And probably the longer they go, they'll be there for road games, too. You'll have a crowd. Uh, I think the road game thing worked. Are you, are, I know game four was on a holiday, and if you didn't have it planned, because you know how it was going to yeah, go on game true. three. Maybe, but I think now that you've had time and it isn't a holiday – I think opening the arena for the road games, especially there's so many fans upset about not having the streaming option and they've cut the cord. So you can let 18.306 into the building now. That seems like oh. a really good idea. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. The only thing I wouldn't pay you guys, but that's, that's you know. <laughs> you guys are golfers, I know. <laughs> not based, good. Based on my Mickelson exchange and not based good, on the Tiger but... Slam, you guys not good golfers? Yeah, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> that means no. Uh, my current Jin uh, is nine five. Oh, you're a golfer. <laughs> Single digit? Come on. Well, a couple summers ago, it was down to about uh, five and a half. Though it's trending, trending the opposite direction. Well, <laughs> if you ever play him straight up, once a five, always a five. Don't let him. <laughs> don't let him <laughs> sing we, this we nine played, stuff on you. We play together enough. I know. Oh, you but know. I'm no threat to him, so he can give me tips, and his oh. tips work. If you need help with your short game, need a little help around the green, he doesn't. He's, he's no. your guy. Really? Oh, my gosh. He told me what to do. I did it, and it worked. Like, could it always be this easy? Now get me. Get I heard me. about the legend of Michael Smith on the golf course. Yeah. How did you already hear? 
Because you've taken community, money from man. yeah, you've taken money from people and <laughs> no, I have. I know BYU people and oh. I worked in LA. You and Bosco I worked who in LA when you were in high school. We've only played like three times. <laughs> <laughs> We've only played three times. As a matter of fact, I played with Lee Johnson the other day. Uh-oh. And after 30 years of a friendship in college, we've never played golf together. And really? so I took him out to Hobble Creek. Okay, this is a funny story. Do you know Lee? Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know yeah. Lee Johnson, former BYU punter. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talks right. mile a minute. He's all over the place. He's right. the greatest guy. He's got seven kids, he and his wife, Shelly. Uh, he works for BYU now. And so he's chirping, right? We're going to play golf. That's a shock. And he's like, <laughs> he's he's like oh, Mike, I hear you're okay. You know, let's go play. And so I take him to Hobble Creek, which I love Hobble sure. Creek. Yeah, yeah, Craig yeah. Norman and the guys down there. Yeah. Um, and I know every, every nuance. That's where I had my hole in one. Nice. <laughs> so we're playing, we're playing Hobble. And I said to Lee, I go, do you want me to coach you? Do you want me to help you on these greens? He goes, yeah, okay. And I quickly realized that Lee has no thought process before any shot. <laughs> he plays the ball way forward in his stance, plays a little cut, and he just steps up and hits it as hard as he can. And by golly, if he doesn't strike it pretty good every time. But he's never thinking, leave it below the hole. Here's where I'd want to miss it. Here's where I'm going to make a putt from. So I help him, and I say, hey, take this club, take this club, take this club. We make the turn, and he's one over par. He birdies oh, nice. nine, and he's one over par at hobble. And I'm like, so we go to 10. And I go, Lee, I go, I, I've never played with you before. Do you ever shoot one over? He goes, this is the round of my life. We're going for career low. He goes, this is the greatest thing in the world. Will you keep coaching me? I go, yes. And I go, I go uh, I'm writing down the scores. I go, birdie on nine, right? He goes, yes. He goes, this is awesome. I go, so 37. He goes, yes. He goes, did you birdie nine? I go, yeah, I birdied nine. I go, I knocked it on in two. I said, I just simple two putt. He goes, that's great, great. We both birdied nine. He goes, uh, did you make any other birdies that side? I go, yeah, I made three other birdies. He goes, did you make any bogeys that side? I go, I made no bogeys. He goes, you turned in 32? And I go, thanks for paying attention, Lee. We're in the same cart. <laughs> I just showed a 32 on the front, and all you can think about is your career high 37. Or career low. But he's so much fun. <laughs> anyway, I do love the game. Me too. Clearly, we got that in the story. The passion <laughs> came through. Some days are good, some days are bad. Well, that's but I life. love the Jazz. Me too. What, what a great group of guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. All right. All right, thanks, Mike. We appreciate it. You got it. Have a great day. Mike Smith dropping by. He's here at Alema Harrington's Golf Tournament. Alema is scheduled to join us coming up next. David Locke will be here at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. There are a couple of reasons that I didn't become a doctor. Same reasons you what, didn't what? become a paleontologist. Why do you crack a smile and well, then I'm make just, a joke? I'm just saying, like, yeah, there's a couple of reasons I wasn't a lawyer. Number one, the LSAT scared me. Number two, I thought I'd fail miserably. And number three, I didn't think I was smart enough. So, yeah, there are just a couple of reasons why I didn't become a lawyer. Can I make a point without you attacking me? I'm not attacking you. Like, you've never talked about wanting to be a doctor before. To me, this seems like you were just right on the cusp of going to medical school. And then just these one or two little things came up and made you think, no, I'm not going to do that. Doctor. 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 Can you not attack me? You know, it bugs me when you do that. Doctor. 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 Stop playing that. And doctor. Well, we miss anyone? 
Hans and Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Rough Tough Products. Rough Tough sets the industry standard for custom seat covers for cars, trucks, SUVs, and UTVs. Get the best fitting seat covers for the make, model, and year of your vehicle and do business with a Utah company that's been around since 1976. Check them out today at roughtough.com. That's roughtough.com. We're at Alema Harrington's golf tournament, and we're going to tell you all about that in just a minute. We just had Michael Smith stop by, so we're a little off clock, Alema. <laughs> So this is, a short segment. <laughs> this is a short segment, yeah. and then we have a long segment with you. But it turns out we're so late, yeah. we're going to do a short segment with you, Let's too. Let's do it. One thing, just one question, we'll go to break. How pumped are you, how relieved are you to see the Lakers out of the playoffs? You know what? Um, I don't know if relief is, is the right word because uh, you saw it coming, so you almost started to have relief going into that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, for, for those uh, that, that are out there, Jazz Nation, that are Laker haters, it's like now you can refer to them as bubble champs. Like those are the bubble nice. champs. Nice. Right? I like it. I they're like not it. the real champs. Those are the bubble champs. A that's shot the real one. from Hawaii all the way to the mainland. i got to tell you right now, that's the kind of shot that PK would deliver that he would come up with. Yeah. So, like, there is a professional uh, respect that now exists. Maybe a little jealousy, to be honest, yeah. deep down in there. Oh, good for but the there's a level of yeah. respect. i got to be real. I didn't come up with that. My brother did. Oh, that's my that's twin. twin. He so looks it's the same just like thing. me. It's like I still hear yeah. stuff all the time. And your time. voices sound alike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, when I walked in this morning, <laughs> yeah. I saw him and I almost, it was at a distance. Like, I've made this mistake before. I'm I have. Do it again. There was yeah. somebody standing. He was talking to somebody yeah. and they were kind of between me and him. So it was partially obscured. You know, you see like 40% yeah. of them. And I always said, I thought, no, nah, I'm going to get closer. And I was like, sure enough, not I was him. very close yeah, to screwing that up. <laughs> if you haven't seen Alema's twin, well, just look at Alema, yeah. then you have. And it. you probably have. You probably have. You thought but, it was me. Exactly. Happens all the time. Talk to you more about about your golf tournament, and we'll do that next. And okay. PK will revel in bubble champs because that is nice. That's I see some T-shirts being made shortly. There's some money, bumper stickers, some money to be made there. We'll talk with the about his golf tournament here at Thanksgiving Point next. Stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Premier Wave. You've heard about acoustic wave therapy for ED and how it's an effective treatment for nearly all men. There's now a physician-owned clinic here in Salt Lake. Learn how Premier Wave is unique by visiting premierwave.com for more information and to learn about Premier Wave's special offer. We're at Alema Harrington's golf tournament this morning. They're getting ready to get things going here. We'll talk about the tournament in just a second. We just talked to Alema about the Lakers being eliminated. Bubble champs. Bubble champs, you know. AD pretty, that was a cute championship, you know. Cute. Keep demeaning it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, question of the day Clippers or Mavericks? Who should the Jazz fans be rooting for as a second round opponent? I, I think the, the way I look at it, Luka Doncic is a great player. Um, and then Kawhi Leonard, great player. And then the supporting cast. I'm, I'm rooting for Dallas to close this thing out and win. Um, and then, you know, we, we know what we can do against the Mavs. Um, the, the Clippers, on the other hand, I'm almost more a- inclined to just cheer for them to lose. I've never been a PG guy. Um, not that I'm R-rated, but <laughs> Paul George is obviously the reference. And, I, and I've compared him. He's like the modern-day Tracy McGrady. And he's, a, he's an experiment that everybody feels like, oh, we've got to try that, and it fails every time. 
and it feels like it's failing in, in Los Angeles. So I think the clip the Clippers are, are gonna they're, they're gonna be eliminated. Both LA teams eliminated in the first round, and so the Dallas Mavericks are, are what we're gonna get. I view myself as NC eighteen. Yes, not seventeen. Eighteen. <laughs> you need that extra year of maturity yeah. to handle what yeah. you're bringing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So not my show. If you're below eighteen, I'd encourage your parents not to let you listen. So um, NC NC eighteen. You know, I really like that you guys do this stuff out on the plaza this time of year. In fact, I like it so much that I think you guys should do it year round. Do the 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 have the set out there? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. with you year round. You know, in December and January. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. not with you in December no, and no. January. No, I want to see it you year round. Be, yeah. I knew what he was I'll getting. T- at. I'll tell you, the first game we did was chilly. I mean, the the <laughs> the, the temps dropped down pretty low. You could see your breath. Um, it was one of those types of nights, and then then it yeah, got. But you would send the message to yeah, the team that we we're are tough. We're tough. Yeah, we're doing it outside yeah. for the fans. Do we really, you could to, do it inside for the fans. Do, do we really need to send the message that we're tough? Is that not just self evident? No, you need to send the message because you're a Packer, <laughs> and if you played at Lambeau, yeah. no long sleeves for you. No. You'd be yeah. cutting off yeah. the sleeves. Safety pride for everybody. <laughs> yeah. But we do enjoy being out there with the fans. Sure. And it was nice that you know. Through you know, the first part of the, the season, we only had fans downstairs, right? You know, lower bowl, and so you know the the pre half and post game show sets are on the fifth floor, same you know, yeah, yeah. suite level as the uh, the radio studios, and so we didn't have anybody up there, and it felt really kind of just uh, awkward, awkward, right? And then when we finally got some some fans up there, that was great, and then now where it is, where we'll have full capacity. I can't wait to see what that building will be like. With full capacity, I mean, it's going to be year, awesome. It's just going to be awesome yeah. because the team, the fans know the team is good. The yeah. players know the team is good. Everybody knows. The expectations are through the roof right now. Phil Johnson always used to say, he probably said this on, on a show with you guys at some point, you got to give the fans something to cheer about. Yeah. And they got something to cheer about. Like that first half, the final two, you know, three-pointers from Donovan Mitchell were, you know, you lose your on, mind over that kind of show. stuff. Right? He was putting on a show. He was an entertainer. He wasn't a basketball player at that point. He was an entertainer. Uh, and, and he was a Vegas And we act. were entertained. Big time. Yes. Oh, no question. So he just got there, gladiator. Or, yeah. Are you not entertained? <laughs> yeah. that, was, that, was, that was a Vegas show. Yeah. Only a few people can do that, and he's one of those guys. And he knew the moment, and he was ready for the moment, which gives me a level of excitement that Clippers, Mavs, yeah. Nuggets, Suns, uh, bring them on. Yeah. I don't care. I you're, love that mentality. Good. What you're saying is is what you're hearing from Quinn, from Rudy, from Donovan, from Mike. You know, across the board, the message, and I love the consistency of the message because it's been like that throughout the year. And it's we're we're concerned with us, you know, not the opponent. And same thing here in the postseason. It's like, well, who is anybody that you'd prefer to play? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, now the only thing left for Jazz fans to root against is the Nets. Yeah. <laughs> just slew <laughs> the path completely. Yeah, why not? The title's a title. Yeah. Bring on Trey. It Jazz won't, won't be bubble. It will be yeah, regular. It'll be the genuine, yeah. uh, you know, the for, for the for real title. Yeah. Right. So. Jazz Hawks NBA Finals. I'm fine with it. <laughs> Whoever gets to the finals is really good. So I'm I'm a purist in the fan. I don't care about markets and TV ratings like this guy. Yeah, is, my gosh. We've all but we've all seen this right as we've watched teams, and you can almost sense by watching a team not ready for prime time. 
You know, Denver has been a not ready for primetime team. I think they're finally to that place, but now they got injuries. And you look at a team like Memphis, good team, not ready for prime. They, they don't have the experience, but the Jazz have the experience. I think put together with the talent for them to go far this year. Like this is their year. Denver's going to beat Phoenix, or Booker is about to go off and cover up their lack of playoff experience and the the obvious injury that Chris mm-hmm. Paul is struggling with. Which one is more likely in your mind? I, I think that the more likely is going to be that Phoenix. I think Booker, when you looked at even how he finished that game against uh, the Lakers last night, that Booker is he's cognizant, he, he's aware that this is his time. Like the playoffs, even though it's his first playoff appearance, the playoffs are your chance or your opportunity, your time to make your statement. Like this is where you remember guys. Not the oh, yeah. 70 points I scored. Like that, again, that was cute. That's but nice. this, this is this is where you make a name for yourself. And similar to us, Chris Paul provides this kind of veteran leadership, some savvy, some calm on the floor that, uh, that Mike, Mike, Mike uh, uh, Conley and, and Chris Paul do the same thing in that regard. And yeah. Aiton is a talent, man. That, that kid is good. Is. You know, they still might be too young, but I think that, that they would still get past Denver. I would agree. So we're out here for your golf tournament, and it's called the Recovery Classic, the AH. I assume that's yeah. a Lemma Harrington. <laughs> Good assumption on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, you know, and it's obviously a, a serious situation and a serious cause and, and all that. I'm wondering, you talked about how crazy this last year was. Now, as far as addiction and recovery, what did you see based on your knowledge during the pandemic yeah. as far as was that something that exasperated it? How did it yeah. play out? Or how I mean, is it, it playing out? It was so in, in, impactful in a, in a very negative way right. because of the isolation. And I appreciate you, you know, you, you asking about that. And some people know this, some people don't, that I'm a licensed uh, you know, counselor. I went back and got my degree um, to, to, to do counseling. So I'm a substance use disorder counselor. I work at our due treatment center in Provo. And I go down there. I do group. I did group there yesterday. And, uh, of course, very involved. Involved in our community, the recovery community, and it was it was tragic to see what was going on. People with long term recovery um, losing uh, their recovery and and relapsing. And you know the 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 dangerous thing for somebody in long term recovery is you relapse, and your brain operates from this standpoint of as soon as I start using, I'm going back to using the way I used to. My tolerance is not what it once was, and people overdose. In a hurry. Okay, Plus, yeah. the, the the stuff that is out there right now is just lethal. Um, so, narcotics is yeah, the narcotics that are out there is just lethal. So, I want you to expand on yeah. that a little bit. So, you're talking about because people have addiction issues yeah. to a wide range. Sure. Uh, PK was talking about nicotine, yeah. you know, in his family. So that's one thing. For somebody else, it's alcohol. Uh, certainly, the opioid crisis. I think a lot of people yeah. read a lot about that now. But when you can't get opioids from a doctor anymore. Yeah. People tend to convert to yeah, stuff they get on the street. That's what you're talking about. That's a yeah. super dangerous conversion and situation. Go into that a yeah, little bit. Yeah, it's almost uh, a guarantee that if you're on that opiate road, and this was my path too, and you, you, 
get to the point where you can't get opiates from the doctor anymore or they, they cut you off or they say, no, I'm not going to prescribe. Or, you know, you could run into problems with the law and, and you know, you're, you're unable to fill a prescription. Um, and you've robbed everybody that you know and taken all their pills. Uh, and now you're on the street and you're like, okay, what, what do I do? And you can, you know, there's counterfeit pills on the street, there's heroin on the street, and all of it is, you know, laced with fentanyl. It's dangerous, and, and you can absolutely, uh, it, it could be the end. Um, you know, that our great quarterback from the University of Hawaii, um, you know, I, I, Colt Brennan, I look at his, you know, death recently, very recently, and it was a similar situation. From what I understand of his story, couldn't get into treatment, was trying to just stay alive and well, and, and that means, like, I got to get some, some drugs today yeah. and something got something laced with fentanyl, died. Um, that's a common story. And so, you know, people think sometimes, like, oh, but I'm, you know, the doctor prescribed it. But if you stay on that path, you're almost guaranteed to end up on the street drugs, on heroin or, you know, buying pills off the street, which, again, you know, the cartels are flooding the market with, with counterfeit pills. And so... Um, you know, it, it becomes dangerous. And so part of our, you know, our cause and what we try to promote here is is an understanding that addiction is a disease and that there's treatment for this disease. And it's it's going to, you know, a rehab facility where they can safely get you off the drugs and then start to, you know, promote a healthy spiritual wellness type of lifestyle. And. You know, I'm a big proponent of residential treatment, treatment in general, because it saved my life and it ha- continues to save my life. And uh, people don't know this this story, but in fact, I, have, I don't know that I've ever talked about this. But nine years ago, I was in a relapse with alcohol and I went back to, to um, outpatient treatment while I was doing these shows. And so, you know, there's treatment available and I think one of the things is to start to look at it is like going to treatment is not punishment. A lot of people think, oh, you're sending me to treatment. You think I'm a bad person. No, treatment is for people that are sick. And it's okay to be sick. What's not okay is to be sick and then act like you're not. Like, oh, I don't need help. I'm not, you know. And then we still deal with that stigma of people thinking that people who are addicts are making bad choices because they're bad people. That's just not the case. I know it's a brain disorder that is part of the addiction disease that causes people with addiction and the disease of addiction to do stuff they would never, ever do normally in their life. What do you do with the funds you raise here today? How are they used? So the funds that we're raising here today are going to two uh, different 501c3 nonprofit charities. One is the Sobriety Foundation, and they work specifically with getting people uh, placed into sober living um, situations. So when you come out of treatment, it's very difficult to go back to your old living situation. In fact, it's not recommended. Even if you have a home and a family, we still recommend that part of your transition coming out of residential treatment would be to go to a sober living facility. So Sobriety Foundation takes care of that. Um, and then the other uh, charity that, that is part of today, today's event is the Salida Foundation. And the Salida Foundation provides grants for people that want treatment, need treatment, but can't afford treatment. So that covers everything from residential to outpatient treatment to sober living. And because the, the, best, 
the best bet for, for people that are getting treatment, just like any, you know, we look at best practices, whether it's cancer treatment or diabetes or any other disease out there. But in addiction, it is for people to have a full year of continuum of care and best would be to have two years. If you can get two years of sobriety and go through the process and still be under somebody's care during that time, and it goes from, you know, pretty restrictive in a residential to, you know, very unrestrictive and living a normal life in an outpatient or you know, going to, to just regular counseling, but that two years will give you a, a, your best opportunity to stay sober. So uh, those two foundations, Sobriety Foundation and the Salida Foundation, help with, with those types of, of situations where we can provide the funds necessary for people to get the treatment that they need. Great work all the way yeah. around, man. No we love having, I, I got to tell you, we're so grateful for the support, support we get from 1280 The Zone. Uh, whenever I, you know, mentioned to Scott, hey, I got the event coming up. He's like, don't worry about it. We got, got you covered. And appreciate you guys because you're the show that ends up here. And we're grateful for that because people love to come out and they see you guys talking about the jazz. It's a great year. And uh, today's a great day. It's going to be kind of hot. So stay hydrated and have a good time. And got lots of great prizes. And we appreciate just everybody coming out and supporting the cause. Well, you're doing good work, and I know some people may, you know, it may seem kind of distant to them, mm-hmm. but I think we all know people going through this. Yeah. You may not know you know people yeah. going through this, but we all, there's somebody you're close to, mm-hmm. friend, family, extended family, neighbor. Yeah. You, you probably know someone who's somewhere on this path. And then, you know, part of, I think, the journey that I've been on is, you know, you, you ask somebody, well, what does an addict look like? And you think, okay, that's the guy down off the block. He used to be Pioneer Park. Now it's moved the block over down in Rio, uh, Rio Grande. But uh, it's like that's what it looks like. No, it looks like me. It looks like you know your neighbor. Um, you know, it happens, and it looks like just about anybody that you can think of. And at this point, you know, we're at a, a place in in you know our experience as a society that. Everybody knows somebody that's been touched by this disease, whether it's a friend or a family member, um, your spouse. Um, and there's a genetic component to it, too, so it runs in families. Um, but yeah, everybody is, is now conscious of like, okay, I see it. It's out there like my neighbor's you know, kid or whatever the case may be. So yeah. we appreciate everybody, just the awareness and then the support. Thanks, Alema. Yeah, thank you. Alema Harrington, the Recovery Classic Thanksgiving point. Alema picked a 100-degree day, so that's a win. We'll be right back. we got to take a break. When we return, Scott Gerard has notified us that we have some jazz tickets to give away. Woo-hoo. So I guess we're going to have to do that. Uh, yeah, we want to do it next? Uh, we can. Well, whatever you want. I mean, you're the boss. <laughs> well, we got a lot coming up at Where 9. Where are we going, Captain? So we got... We got half an hour. I think we should give them away here between now and 9 o'clock. Give it away, give it away, give them away now? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think it's time to prove just how loyal and faithful and passionate and ardent of a jazz fan are you. What have you missed in prior years? Your brother's wedding. Your kid's baptism. Let's see, what else? Some big family vacation. Yeah. Missed a family reunion or a family trip somewhere. Graduation wedding. Graduation, wedding, anniversary. Prove it. Uh, Whatever. Prove, to, prove to us a, just how a, diehard of jazz fans you are. I have a sports are. anniversary story for you. I'll tell you that one. 
Uh, Got to remember, uh, if you don't win the tickets coming up here in the next half hour on The Zone, they are available at utahjazz.com and the Jazz app. Jazz get to sell game one and two tickets now, and then games three and four will be on the road, and then we'll see if the game five is necessary. I assume it will be, but I, I don't think they can sell those yet, but they'll be out there as soon as that game is Well, we know we'll have necessary. six more home games minimum. Sweep, sweep, sweep. Look at you. You just went Moses Malone, right? I said minimum. So games one and two in this series, games one and two in the next series, and games one and two in the finals. Now, probably have more than that, but we know we'll have at least six games. I can guarantee it. All right, we'll give away jazz tickets, jazz playoff tickets coming up next. You've got the rules. Start thinking of the stories, and we will get to them next. You can hit us up on Facebook, DJ and PK. You can call 855-340-ZONE. You can grab your phone, use our app, use the Zone app, and use the open mic feature and send us your stories, and we will do that next. Stay with us. For the Utah Jazz. Get out of the way. Round one is done. Got it. As Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Mike Conley sent the Grizzlies pack. Donovan! Now it's on to round two as the Jazz make a push to an NBA title. I live for the hunt. to live for it. Won't stop till I get what I want. Won't stop. I don't care what it takes. Yo, Ingle! Jordan Clarkson! Hear every second of every moment of Utah Jazz playoff basketball. It's all about survival. Right here on your exclusive home of the Jazz. 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. The Zone Sports Network. Flex, Rudy, flex! DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We've got some Jazz tickets to give away to game one. That might be Sunday afternoon. Might not be. Might be pushed back till Tuesday. I'm hoping it's pushed back till Tuesday. Rooting for the Clippers tonight. Dallas, his sixth consecutive road win in that series. Outrageous. Yeah, weird, but I just want Conley to get more time. That's all. Yep, I hear you. I see what you're thinking, and you're not alone. That's the only reason. Otherwise, I don't really care. I'm happy with either team. I, yeah. There's both those teams I enjoy watching. Well, the Jazz could play the Washington Generals, and I would watch. But uh, either team is going to be just as well from the Jazz perspective. Either team is going to be tough. Well, you have to play well, blah, blah, blah. But yes. why not give Mike more, more time? Well, we'll see how that works out tonight. I'm kind yeah. of expecting the Mavericks to finish it off. But if they do, I'm fine with that too. Yeah. I, I, I'm just going to watch the game to w- watch the game, which is what I usually do anyway. Turns out that whatever we want or we wish from another time zone doesn't really impact us anyway. It wouldn't be in our own time zone. It wouldn't impact it. But we're, you know, I'm a, at, at my heart, at, at the heart of the issue, I'm a fan. So I'm just excited for playoff basketball. I'm excited for fans to be there. So Super excited for the arena here to be sold out whenever game one is. All right. You want to be part of that? We need your stories now. 855-340-ZONE. You can also use the uh, open mic and hit us up with a quick story. So you want Jazz fans who have sacrificed, PK. Yeah, because you don't want to just be a Johnny-come-lately fan who has some outrageous story that you made up. It's not even true, and we award you the tickets. No, I want to give it to the hardcore and prove to us that you're a hardcore by what have you sacrificed to be able to go to a game. Or watch it on television. You don't even have to go to the game. Not everybody can afford to go to the game. But being able to be a part of the jazz experience, I want the diehard 
So prove it to us. All right, let's start with Austin. Austin, good morning. Morning, DJ. Morning, PK. Hello, Austin. How are you, buddy? Doing well, thank you. All right, so uh, what what have I sacrificed to, to show yeah. that I'm a hardcore jazz fan? So yes. I prolonged getting married to my wonderful wife of coming up on six years. We have two two kids, one on the way, and I prolonged our our marriage in order to convert her from a Lakers fan to a jazz oh. fan. <laughs> So what do you mean? Like, I'm not going to marry you until you prove to me you're a jazz fan? Is that what you're saying? I I, I had to convince her. I, I converted her to jazz fandom, to jazz nation, before we got married. I've heard of stuff like this before. I mean, it, it so, might sound weird to some people. It was actually in a movie. If you ever saw the movie, I think it was Diner and the old Baltimore Colts and the they they made the the bride the, Gino Marchetti. The bride had to pass a test. She had it was Written? like it was yeah. There, it was like I think it was multiple choice. Oh, okay. It had to pass a multiple choice to get a certain number right, or the dude just couldn't marry her. So Austin, was it more satisfying to help convert people on your mission or help convert your wife? Oh, my wife, no question. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Austin. My eternal companion, man. I got it. There it it is. Way to bring it around. I got it, brother A. About to say Bishop (laughs) on line two, stake president on line three. (laughs) Nope, you saved it. Good save, Uh, Austin. I love working in this community. I know you do. (laughs) You just hear it in the voice, couldn't you? (laughs) You, I knew. You know, Austin, do you know the moment that I knew PK was going to ask that question? Been married six years, nothing. Then you say you got two kids, and I peek at PK, and, and then the and then you say one on the way, and PK looks at me and I think uh, it's on. <laughs> it's true blue. <laughs> All right, Austin, stay on the line. I converted from that's like I don't know the most uh, negative. Uh, that's the biggest jump, right? Yeah, yeah, that's where yeah. you're jumping the Grand Canyon at the widest point. Evil Knievel up in Twin Falls. Uh, up, up on the Snake River. <laughs> All right, Yak, where are we going next? Emily is on the open mic. Emily. This isn't me. It's for my husband. But growing up, if the Jazz ever played on Halloween, he would stay home from trick-or-treating as a kid to watch the Jazz game oh, anytime. Wow. All right, that's impressive. That's like you're... saying, no, I don't want any toys Christmas morning. That's a lot. Of, that's several pounds of candy right there. But, hey, you got to do what's got to be done. As a boy? That's a major sacrifice. You know, when you're talking about stuff you can sacrifice when you're in elementary school, you got to put that right up there. You're right. Christmas morning would probably be a bigger sacrifice. Yeah. But after Christmas morning, I could see Halloween being sang it. All right, let's go to Brad. What up, DJ? What up, PK? Hey, Brad. How are you? Man, Brad, the bar has been set. Good. we got how a couple pretty good stories. We're yeah. doing well. What do you got for us? I know. I'm, I'm hoping mine uh, takes the cake here. But uh, Austin's and Emily's, those are tough to compete with. But let me paint the picture for you. So it's 2007, Game 7, Utah Jazz versus Yao Ming and the Houston Rockets, Tracy McGrady, everyone else like that, right? Yeah. So I'm in high school, my, my junior year, and we there was a dance company high school where there's 15 girls or whatever on the team, and they all invited a guy to go to a dance. It was downtown, some private event center, the smaller group. 
about half the guys there are massive jazz fans, and so we keep bumping into each other throughout the dance, getting updates on the score. We keep the uh, uh, 57-34, or 57-54, 63-62, we're all talking about the score. Finally, the fourth quarter comes along, it's game seven. We all sneak out of there one by one. We all find a way to, to, to ditch our dates for a little bit, and we all go out to the parking lot, and we're streaming the game off of some guy's phone there and watching game seven. So we missed about a half hour, 40 minutes of this, this uh, respectable dance to watch game seven, which was incredible. Oh. One of the best memories ever. I feel bad for ditching the girl, but it was fun to have that brotherhood. But at the same time, so you knew the score. Do you think, Brad, you gave up the opportunity to score? I, I, I do wonder that. My high school dating career was not good, um, but luckily I am happily married, have two beautiful kids, and just life is great right now. But looking back, I probably could have had a better experience in high school. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Brad, hold on. This is so much fun for you. This is Christmas morning for you and Halloween all rolled into one. Just Didn't you wonder? I mean, score within the context of... You know, for the strength of youth. Don't try to save it. Don't try to save it now. Just own it. Swear. Book of Mormon distance between you, PK. <laughs> is that what it is, Yak? Was that on the air? Yes, it was on the air. Okay. I didn't know you were supposed to do that. I didn't grow up in your faith. <laughs> Let's go to the open mic. Robbie. My wife and I had our 10th year anniversary planned in Puerto Rico. On March 13th, it was a couple days after Rudy tested positive. The whole thing got canceled. Never got to go. Oh, bummer. It's a rough one right there. We'll go for 12. 855-340-ZONE. Your best stories of sacrifice for Jazz. Game one, round two playoff tickets. Steve, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good, Steve. So, so unlike uh, Austin, I was born in the Jazz Covenant, full-blooded Jazz fan. <laughs> Didn't have to convert anybody in my family. Um, so, not only do I have to... Uh... Yeah, we lost him. Game. Okay. Um, last year, game six of the bubble. Now, this is going to get a little heavy, so I apologize. Uh, game six of the bubble, jazz game's on. And when I'm watching a jazz game, I just go into a zone, you know. Well, with most sports. But especially playoff jazz basketball. I just get into the zone. Well, uh, my wife's coming in. She's saying stuff to me, you know, I'm watching the jazz game. And I kind of, you know, tend to tune her out a little. Not on purpose, but it just happens. Yeah. Well, she's, she's had it, right? She said, hey, you know, what are you doing? It's an important game. And, well, needless to say, one year later, we're separated, right? <laughs> so that is a huge sacrifice. I mean, I don't think anybody can top that. Okay. Well, do you have any kids? Oh, yeah, we got three kids. Okay, well then, what's going to happen? The Are they going to be out of the Jazz Covenant now? Oh no, no, they're they're full blooded. They're full blooded. We don't need to worry about them. They're okay. uh, yeah. They're... How about your generations? Did, did you have to do any uh, jazz work for them? 
Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if they're... I'm trying to get into the dad's temple, which is the Vivian Arena, to do their temple work. So I'm hoping I get these tickets. Yuck. Yuck. How, how close are we to lightning strikes? What do you see? Thunderstorms we're on the horizon? What do you think? We're, we're I didn't bring it. it up. He did. We're coming right up to him. He man. said he was born in the Jazz Covenant, not me. Oh, this is great. I'm having, I'm having a time of my life back here. Besides, we're on a deck with an overhang at Thanksgiving Point. We're facing, uh, what's that? The West. Hole, I know, but that's... Is 18. That like 18? I think it's 18. 18? Okay. <laughs> All right, we're going to the open mic, Yaku. Who have you got? We have Lane here. He's actually a pretty regular guy on the open mic. Here you go. The two years the Jazz went to the finals, I was on my mission. We used to go buy a bunch of food to put it in our car. When we would find somebody with the game on, we would take all the food out of our car, act like we were giving it to them, and then we would just say, hey, what you watching? <laughs> <laughs> Cut out. That is a totally believable story. Okay, but, I mean, all these Latter-day Jazz fans, I'm all, all for it, you know, because some of my best friends are Latter-day Jazz fans. Uh, but but the game is on Sunday, possibly. So should you be going to a game? Now, maybe the Clippers will do you a favor. Now, I say fetch, yeah. I had Win a- game six, force a game seven, then the game one turn moves to Tuesday. As you probably both know, my mother is very much against like Sunday and all that stuff watching sports. But I had an ecclesiastical leader once upon a time who said it was totally okay if it was the Jazz. Really? Mm-hmm. Of course, that's President Monson. Yes, President Monson, yes, of all people. But our President Monson. <laughs> the Godfather. <laughs> Vito Monson. Vito. You know him as Gordon. We call him Vito. You come to me on this the day of game five, and you ask me to do this thing for you. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, you ready to pick winners? You need a commercial break to cogitate over it. I, I need to be... Uh, uh, refreshed all right (laughs) we will refresh during the break we will pick the winners next stay with us dj pk brought to you in part by zero res when you get the carpets and tile cleaned it's never clean it's zero res clean don't have it any other way just 33 dollars per room you deserve the best you deserve zero res schedule with zero res today call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for zero res carpet cleaning all right we're going back to it we got a few more people with their stories, what they have sacrificed for jazz basketball. We're going to start on the phones with Kurt. we got playoff tickets to give away. Kurt, what's your story? Yeah, my wife just recently retired after 42 years of teaching school, and I was just wanting to surprise her for all the sacrifices she'd done teaching. There was some, mm. a couple times that she, one of, her, one of her kids' mom passed away, and she went in there and did all the laundry and we had we had tickets and because she loves going to the jazz game but she wanted to give that tickets to the our kids and she and her she and i went and did the laundry for this family and she won this family turned her in for teacher of the teacher award they give off ksl and she just after all the things she does for the kids all those years she just i thought i would surprise her and the sacrifice she does as a teacher, and that's the reason I thought I'd call and the, the save about. All right, for her. What's her name? What's her name? 
My name's Kurt. Her name? Oh, her name is Denise. Denise, congratulations, man. You've done a heck of a job. I appreciate it very much, and I mean that sincerely. 42 years is a long time to teach. My dad taught for 36. Your wife's been at it for a good while now, too. So you know firsthand what teachers are going through. My sister, my brother-in-law. Yeah. A good teacher is about as valuable to the community as there is anything out there. My daughter graduated from high school last night and was talking about the teachers With honors. who really mattered to her. And she's got a, she's got a handful of them that really yeah. mattered. And so teachers are She doing wrote to a that. junior high teacher who mattered big time to her. Nice. Yeah. So making a vital, contra- vital contribution to society. And then there's me. <laughs> Talking sports. Making jokes. Yeah. Heidi. Oh, we're going to Matt on the open mic. Matt. I need these tickets to help my kids have a winning basketball experience. I grew up losing two teams, the Seattle Sonics and the Vancouver Grizzlies. So this would help solidify their fandom and uh, bring us together. Ah, team's moving. That sucks. Big downside to pro sports. Sucks. My father went through it. Brooklyn Dodgers. Sucks. Never, never got it back. And it was magic. Hard, hardcore, yeah. Yep. Let's go to Heidi. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi. Heidi. Um, I just wanted to quickly give you my story. I actually sacrificed my job to be able to watch the finals in the 90s. I worked at a hospital in medical records, and I needed to file some um, papers for um, doctors to be able to sign and um, off to the side of where I needed to do this was the doctor's lounge where they had a TV on. And so I kind of went out of my area and uh, specifically during very important parts of working the evenings, I would kind of disappear for a while. And I just loved my jazz so much and put them before my job. <laughs> Well, I thought we were going to hear birthdays and anniversaries and, uh, you know, family events. Job, that's that's not anything I expected right away. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. I'd agree with that. All right, we are going to get two winners. We've got four tickets, so we're going to give uh, two winners a pair of tickets each to game one, whether it's Sunday or Tuesday, depending on what happens with the Mavericks and Clippers tonight. PK? What? Austin cracked you up, converting the Lakers fan before marrying her. And it meant more to him doing that than converting the souls that he converted. Uh, I don't know where he went. But the eternal companion. Oshkosh, Wisconsin. He never told us where he actually served his mission. Uh, no, but he, I feel like it was Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Bring him on. Uh, yeah. That- All right. Austin gets two tickets and Emily gets two tickets. Her husband oh, is a kid, hardcore at an early age. He would skip Denise, Halloween. The teacher? That's what I would have gone with. But this is too late. Yeah. I just gave him to Emily. I thought they were separate, though. What was separate? I thought we had those two, then these other two. But, so two to Austin and two to Emily. But, right, but I thought, no, that two before the break and two after. So a total of four. But I was wrong. Oh. We had a lot of good stories. Well, I can't pull back now. Yeah, there you go. That sucks. Yeah. Austin and Emily, there you go. Congratulations. All right. 
When we come back, David Locke joins us. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We just gave away some jazz tickets. And PK, yeah. coming from families of teachers, we both felt bad about Kurt not getting hooked up. Kurt, if you're listening, call back in, 855-340-ZONE. I can't tell you why, Kurt, but just call back in, 855-340-ZONE. Oh, yes. Oh, sweet. Kurt, if you know Kurt, this is a small town, right? Somebody knows Kurt. If he's not listening now, tell him to call back in, 855-340-ZONE. Kurt. Help us out, Small Lake City. Yeah, Small Lake City, come through. Somebody knows Kurt. Make sure he calls in. Kurt and Denise, yeah. 42 years she taught. Yep. Yak is waiting for you, Kurt, to put a smile on your face. 855-340-ZONE. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to bring in David Locke. His weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good, good. We are. Uh... I, did, I didn't know that Yak was such a stick. I just found out that Yak, PK, does he take your money? Oh, I mean, he can. You're talking if you're talking golf. Uh, yeah. N- no, but I mean, he can hit it a mile and a half, man. That's for sure. Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't take your money, though, huh? Uh, well, he's he's on the low end, so I should probably give him some money. But uh, uh, you're just, you're golf. short. You're short and steady, and he's long and all over the place, huh? Uh, that's an accurate description. I think Yach would agree to that <laughs> in the number of several times we've played. Is he, he can huh? really hit it way beyond I can. That's for sure. We'll just call him Bryson Yock. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't. No, just, no, 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 uh, no, no. Jake DeChambeau. But, but Jake can really. <laughs> back, back, in fact, both Jakes at our station. Hit it a long yes, way. Yes, I've played with them many times. All just disappears over yeah, the horizon. Two of those guys. Both, both of our Jakes can really get some distance. Where'd that go? I don't know. I can't see that far. All right, David, you hate the frickin' Lakers. That's a famous, <laughs> famous drop. Uh, great and, rant. And now LeBron <laughs> is out in the first round for the first time in his career. How satisfying do you see it, and how wide open do things look to you in the West now? I mean, they're wide open, right? They were the team that, if right, was able to dictate um, – what was taking place They're They're, they're the team that um, was with their personnel and right and playing. Well, you know, just, they, they could beat you. They, they could beat everyone. If they were right, they beat everyone. They just never were right all year. And then they fiddled with their roster in ways that I didn't like in the off season. We'll never know whether they were right or not, but Dennis Schroeder's an inefficient offensive player. And I didn't, I didn't love that move as much as everyone else did. Um, I thought it was bold that they won a championship and changed up as much. And then their whole mantra is Harold Patrick, uh, Marcus Ole, Andre Drummond center thing just never, ever came together, and they never actually knew what they were doing with it. So, I mean, they're just a team that was never together this year, largely due to injuries. I think it would be naive to not think that the short offseason hurt them. Um, but what's interesting to me right now is if you go on to NBA.com slash stats and you pull up the, the teams and rank them by differential, which is always kind of the best way to, to judge of the, le- of the nine teams that are left. I think differential rankings, one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven are all still alive. Now, like, when you say differential, the- could you explain that? So offensive efficiency minus defensive efficiency. So it's, or point differential, whichever way you want to do it. Just, uh-huh. you know, what your 
if you outscored your, we, I think, outscored our opponents on an average by, like, what, 10 points a game this year or something like that? It was one of the high, like, 15th best rating of all time. Um, like, so we're, we are the number one differential. The Clippers are two, so if they go out, that would, that's the real story, frankly. If the Clippers lose tonight, that's the massive upset to what we've seen based on the season. The Lakers' massive upset of losing to Phoenix is the second best team in the NBA all season long beat the team that was projected to be but never actually was the best team in the league this year. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's a different upset to me than if the Mavericks actually just go beat the Clippers tonight. That, to me, is a stunner. That's, that's a team that performed at a level we sh- they showed us they had time. They were clearly the best team in the league at times this year. And for them to lose tonight would be a massive upset in the NBA landscape. That, to me, is actually bigger than if the Lakers lose tonight, losing yesterday. So I'm curious what you think of uh, the Suns-Nuggets matchup. I think if the Suns were healthy, I would pick them. Nuggets. What did I say? Suns. Suns and Nuggets, if the Suns were healthy in the second round. They are. Chris Paul's not healthy. Well, compared to Jamal Murray, he is. Okay, you got me there. <laughs> but, but with Chris Paul the way he is, I think I like the Nuggets. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy at all. But I mean, the Nuggets really have no backcourt, and they somehow survived that last series with Portland. Um, you know, um, I'm really surprised Portland fell out like that. I thought Portland actually was going to win that series, and I actually thought Portland might go to the Western Conference Finals. I'm, I'm stunned. Um, they had really put together some unique things in their roster, and the addition of Norman Powell and the health of Nurkic. Um, so I think you have to give Denver a ton of credit because I think they did beat a pretty good team this week in Portland. Um, Jokic is great, and everyone who plays with him gets better, right? Like, I think that's the, where Jokic is way different than every other superstar in this league right now. Not way different because other players do. But, like, you know, if you think about a Russell Westbrook, he puts up great numbers. No one has gotten better while playing with Russell Westbrook. Um, the, right, right now, the the two guys that actually seem to make everyone better when they play with them are Jokic and Gobert. Gobert makes everyone better because of his pick setting, his defense. Jokic just makes everyone better. And, like, you, everyone can survive as long as they're playing with Jokic. And then he makes enough plays. So I don't think you're crazy because of the respect I also have for Denver. Just in, like, they just won't die, right? They just will not die. They're, they're amazing. They're the one team that's left in the Final Four last year. They actually have the best three-year playoff record kind of in the league now. Um, you know, they deserve a world of credit for where they are and who they are as a franchise right now and what they've done. So um, I don't think you're crazy at all. I do think Phoenix is really, really good. Like, for all of us sitting in Utah that complain that no one gives us any credit, yeah. Phoenix pretty much mirrored our season. And so if we're asking for credit, we probably should give Phoenix that same credit. They're really, really good. And DeAndre Eaton is the number one pick of the draft, and he looks like it. Like, he's been fabulous. So I want to know how much did you think that the Jazz dominated the Memphis Grizzlies? Because I understand you're a homer announcer, and that's wrong. Wow, was that bull crap or what? <laughs> Jesus. Excuse me. I mean, seriously, how low rent did you just become as a fellow journalist? <laughs> so did they dominate them in your mind? Yeah, I don't think that series was close at all. Like, those games were exciting, and Memphis made runs, and Memphis was impressive. But, like, other, like I never thought the Jazz were ever going to lose the series. I watched game one, and if you listen to anything I said after game one, is like, we're totally fine once we get Donovan. Every problem we had in game one was no Donovan. 
Yeah. And the idea that a series gets close and then a team goes on a 12-0 run to close the game, like, that's the NBA. And the idea that you didn't hold a 10-point lead is, like, really, you don't get the league at all. Like, teams in the playoffs, you're not going to hold 10-point lead. Like, that's the way the league works, particularly with the propensity of threes. And Memphis was shooting a lot of them, more than usual. So the fact that games, like, swung, like, eight or nine points, which is really almost nothing, that series was not close. We were up 20 in, what, three of the four wins? We led you for haven't, all you haven't eight hit the minutes of the four games. There it is. Like, come on. There, that's, to me, that's the stat that bolsters your case. Was for all the runs the Grizzlies made, they rarely took the lead. All right. They led for eight minutes, and they led for no more than a minute and a second half of either of the final like two or three games. That series was not close. It was exciting, but that's not the same. It was not close. PK. Yes. You'd be totally fired up, wouldn't you? You would have reacted just like I did. Come on, admit it. Like, admit it. You would have been totally fired up. Uh, yeah, I probably would have gone like back every, on Twitter. It broke like every code of everything, right? <laughs> uh, I guess that's the way it's supposed to go these days, though. And you, I, I don't know what to say on that. But, yeah, I try not to, uh, to go after com- uh, compatriots in the media and all that. And I, I certainly not to have like to have twitter arguments it doesn't seem to solve anything have, solve thank you thank <laughs> it doesn't you. solve anything there, there everyone go. just but, yells and then goes away thinking the same thing they thought when they showed up but uh you know i'm more along the lines of your camp as far as uh they they did what they needed to do especially when they needed to do it and i think that was the most important thing they asserted their will at the exact times that it needed to be asserted that's the Obviously, winning the series is the overriding uh, factor in what you want. But when you look at it, and the way I looked at it, is that when they needed to do what they needed to do, they did it. You know, they needed to win game two. We talked about this earlier in the week. They needed to win game two, obviously. You don't want to go down uh, 2-0 with two home losses. And then you needed to win on the road you needed to get a game and so the best game to get is game three so i look at games two and three uh they did exactly what they needed to do and they obviously winning game four helped too and then in game five you know memphis is an upstart team and it's looking like they've got a nice future we'll see what they can do to build upon it but what you want to do is slam the door shut on their ability to have any startling game because the last thing you want to do is get on a plane and go to Memphis and all the hassle that that involves. You just don't want to do that. So in my mind, there was three times they need to answer the bell, so to speak, and they did all each every all three times they answered it. And they and in my mind, they answered it in a resounding fashion. So I'm more in your camp. I thought um, I'm 100% with you, obviously. Um I actually thought the other one, if you read, and I thought it at the time, and then it didn't totally feel like that. But then when I rewatched the game, it felt like it more. And I actually think this is more to do with what Memphis had been through to get to this point. But I, what, what was the quarter? The third quarter, the Jazz scored forty points in Game Four. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I thought they broke their spirit in that. I thought the series was over. They broke their spirit in the middle of that quarter, and you could see it. Then Memphis made, like, a nice little rally. But actually, if you go back and look at game four, I think we're up 10 with, like, two minutes left. Yeah. Like, like you win 99. Like, our our win probability, despite the fact Memphis made a little run in game four, our win probability was, like, in the 90s the entire fourth quarter. Um, so, 
I actually thought to add on to your list of things, I thought the other one was that they broke their spirit. And the spirit, when I say they broke their spirit, let's phrase that comment a little bit. Let me rephrase. I think they mentally cracked Memphis. And, but that mental crack for Memphis is because of the fact that Memphis had like played basically seven or eight super important playoff S games to close the season, played do or die against San Antonio played do or die against Golden State. And at some point when you're exhausted and running uphill, it's over mentally. Like you just, and that's what the Jazz did to them. And that's what they should have done to them. And that's also why, like, if we go back to all of our conversations we had during the, like, months leading up, and you guys would always ask me, does the one seed matter? And I was pretty predominant. I was, like, pretty stringent in saying, yes, the one seed really matters because – the team you're playing will have had to play two playoff games already. Plus, they will have had to, you know, you know race to those playoff games, and you're gonna get a tired team. Uh, it's the same way. If I think I know Mike Conley's hamstring's an issue, but if Mike Conley's hamstring is really an issue, like it has been every other time, it's 14 days. It has he's yet to come back from this in less than 14 days over the last two years. If it's the that if it's the same thing, he's had every other time. I don't know that, but if it is. So it doesn't actually matter if we start Sunday or Tuesday, which means, like, I'm passionately rooting for Dallas today because the whole reason you want to be the one seed is you get the easier series against Memphis, who's tired because of all the things we just mentioned. Well, they go to, well the 4-5 goes to war with each other in a basketball sense, and then they finish tonight at 11 o'clock at night, board a plane tomorrow and play at 1.30 without a single time to get on the court and practice of what the Utah Jazz do. Like, that's a massive advantage. And frankly, Joe Ingles as point guard against Dallas has a lot better chance of success than Joe Ingles as point guard against the Clippers. Why? Uh, Clippers can switch one through five with Marcus Morris starting at center. And so then you're forced into an isolation game, which is Joe's weakness, rather than running the high pick and roll against a drop big. Um, and uh, Memphis... Uh, Joe struggles with kind of the physical Dylan Brooks, Jay Crowder, Mikel Bridges type defense. At least that's my opinion. He could disagree. Um, when they're up in on him that tight, it's frankly at six eight. It's harder to dribble when you're taller. It's easier to dribble at six one. Um, and Dallas doesn't play that same style of defense. And being guarded by Tim Hardaway or Maxi Kleba or um, Dor- Dorian Finney-Smith is good, but he's not Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. And without Mike Conley, um, they could really put Patrick, you know, they the Clippers could bring Patrick Beverly off the, the dustpan or whatever, the mothballs, um, since they didn't play him last series, and put him in on Joe. They could put Beverly on Donovan while putting Kawhi Leonard on Joe. The Clippers just have so many defensive options, plus they're likely switching one through five, where Dallas doesn't have the same amount of defensive options and they're likely dropping the big, which means Joe can play the pick and roll and make Przingis move, um, and you just get a much better Joe Ingles, and as of right now, Joe Ingles is the key to our playoff success. Wow. So the Dallas Mavericks finished five games behind the Clippers in the standings. Granted, the Clippers were tanking. It could have been more than that. Uh, And the Clippers' net rating is almost four points better than the Mavs. So why in the world are the Mavs up 3-2? to two? Why in the world has the road team won five straight games? And it's all going to come back to the Clippers' chemistry or lack thereof. 
So some of this is explainable and some of this is not. The five road wins is not explainable. Let's move on. Um, Dallas is better than their ratings. They got hit by COVID really, really badly. And you kind of actually have to look at Dallas. Um, there was the, remember there was the ice freeze storm in Dallas mm-hmm. and they ended up having a, like a five day training camp cause they couldn't play. And if you, you kind of have to look at Dallas from that point on in the season as who they are as a team. And then their ratings are much better though. They have had probably the widest fluctuation of performance of any good team in the league this year. Um, throughout just sometimes being on and sometimes being off. And their shooting has been abnormally good in the series. Um, so in the make-or-miss league element of things, they, they simply just outperform norms in the two of the – actually in the first three games, they lost one of them, which is what's a little disconcerting um, for whether if you're rooting for Dallas tonight, I kind of think the Clippers are going to win just because that game three bothers me. Dallas shot 53% from three and lost. Um, and when you're doing that, like that's that's a bad script for the future of your series. Um, and then I do, but I just think that yes, this I'm not big into the whole, you know me guys, I'm not into like the heart and the this and the that. But there's just something not quite right on the Clippers. Now again, Dallas won the first two games because they had abnormal shooting nights. Um, but game five bothers me, like. I, the Clippers kind of, I thought, had that in control. And I went back and rewatched the second half of that game yesterday. And, you know, they're up in the third quarter and they're at home and they Kawhi's rolling and PG's okay, playing pretty well. And then that momentum just doesn't hold through the fourth quarter in a straight, in kind of an, now the Dallas is much better than Memphis, but in kind of the opposite way of what we just talked about, like, the Jazz kind of just kept going forward in that series. Is like they were playing well, and even if Memphis kind of was going, then the Jazz still. But, yeah, the Clippers just didn't keep it going. And it was strange to me, and Paul George had some turnovers late, and he's just such a bad playoff player. Um, so I, I just – there's I, w- I was a big Clipper believer, but I also believed in a team that had Serge Ibaka and Luke Kennard contributing because I thought they both added things to this group. Um, I bought the narrative that had kind of been percolated around the league that Montrezl Harrell, Patrick Beverly, and Lou Williams were a locker room problem, and that what they had done is purged their locker room problem, and they were much better because of it. I, I actually fully bought that. I'd kind of heard that was a common thread, that they had actively tried to trade Patrick Beverly um, at throughout the last year, and that they had been actively letting – they were perfectly – they never offered Montrezl Harrell a contract on purpose. Um, and that they had actively tried to trade Lou Williams, which they finally did. So those all kind of – that story was percolating last year, and then this year their actions showed to me that that was true. And so I, I was all in on the Clippers. Watching them this series has been um, telling me that there's still something missing. I can't – you know, statistically it's not there. They're still frankly great. So you're putting Joe Ingles in the spotlight, and you believe that he's very critical to the success of the next series. Uh, any concern that he sort of we viewed him as slumping in the first series? Oh yeah, um, I mean, and I'm not trying to like put Joe Ingles in the spotlight, but he just became our 20 minute a night backup point guard when Mike. You know, the beauty of the Jazz is that multiple pick and roll ball handlers. Joe, Mike, and Donovan, all equally great at it, all top 15 when uh, ball handlers in the NBA and the pick and roll. 
So therefore, if you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and you're trying to clamp down, we'll just swing it to the third guy and make the play. When Memphis puts Dylan Brooks somewhere, who actually turns out to not be near the defender everybody thinks he is, if you're patient in an offensive possession, you, you kind of work it around. We, we can come from multiple angles. We can come with multiple guys, and then we have multiple shooters and scorers. That's the, that multiplicity is what makes us so terrific. And so you lose Mike Conley, you lose one of those shooters, and you lose one of those ball handlers, and so it just increases. And Joe's the one whose role changes. So I'm not trying to be unfair to Joe in any way, shape, or form, and I think right. he's perfectly capable of it, but that's the reality of what makes us great. And if you don't have Mike Conley for a little while, then Joe's the one that picks that up. And Joe's been great at it. I mean, our record when Mike Conley doesn't play has been fine because Joe's been terrific. Um, I did think Joe was strange in that series. It's the only way from someone I've watched every game of his career, I've just never seen him like signal to throw the ball. Like There were just times when there was a play where – he brought the ball up the floor, quickly gave it to George Niang, and then as he's running the route, the offensive play is for Joe to go to the corner. Joe doesn't really run the route, and he signals to George to pass it to somebody else. And then when the pass comes to Joe, he actually gets it stripped by Kyle Anderson, and it was just like the most un-Joe Ingles play I've seen, right? They're, like Joe usually is playing with a tenacity and a fire, and he's strong with the ball, and like just it was – Everything about it was not Joe Ingles, and maybe that's you know one play. But there were also the other times, and some of these are smart and unselfish, where you know someone's bodying up on him in the backcourt at 90 feet, and he's trying to get free on the inbound. He just signals to throw it to somebody else. And I just, I guess, I wanted Joe to just you know say like, you know, screw you, I'm getting the ball, I'm bringing up the floor, get off me. And um, I just didn't see that out of him in the series, but I, I don't have any doubts that he can do it in the next series. Sure. I think whether it's Joe or it's anybody else, and this also goes for guys on the other team, I think unless you're a real superstar, you know, we know who those guys are, and there's only a handful of them, that in the playoffs we see series where players struggle and we see another series where a player excels, and just because they struggle doesn't mean they're going to struggle in the next one. And just because they excel in one, hey, the matchup, may re- the schemes may really work for them, and that doesn't mean they're going to excel in the next one. So I feel like there's a reset that goes on in the playoffs based on the opponent. Are you trying to say you don't think that Isaiah Thomas should have given Jerome James a five-year contract based on his matchup <laughs> with the Sacramento Kings in a single playoff series? <laughs> that's, that's, a that's pretty specific, <laughs> but I think you're on to something. No, but I think what you I, said I actually, when wait, you were breaking I want, wait, down. Wait, 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 wait a second. I want to make sure I made a joke out of it. What David just said is super important. The biggest mistakes that get made in the NBA uh, analysis world, and frankly by some NBA GMs, as we just proved, is this 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 idea that a in, a singular series shows that a player has broken through or hasn't broken through or some yeah. some long lasting thought about a player based on playing the same opponent for five or six games in a row is a is a catastrophic way to make decisions. I agree. We see it in the NCAA tournament. Guys who have good NCAA tournaments get great draft spots, and they're not very good. Ed O'Bannon. Yes. So I thought that's what, when you were breaking down how the Mavericks defend differently than the Clippers, I thought that was a great example of, well, who you face in a series can really determine how well you play because your your matchup can change so dramatically because, let's face it, the Mavs just don't have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George chasing people around on the wings. Well, okay, if we want to isolate Joe some more, I mean, he is the mo- the best host on this 
show, so I figured <laughs> ah! we should talk about him some more. Um, in his last two playoff series, he was not very good against Houston. He was pretty good against Denver, and so just really you know overgeneralizing. But they're the two different defenses we're talking about. Yeah, Houston switched everything one through five. Denver played Jokic as a drop most of that series. Yeah, Joe has been on the air multiple times saying that his uh, the 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 series against Houston where they just overplayed him and forced him to his right hand all the time, like that determined for he and Quinn exactly what he's going to do that summer. It was like the easiest conversation ever. You got to work on your right hand. Oh, I absolutely have to work on my right hand. You know, it was just it was miserable, and he knew he had to fix it. Um, I mean, that's a great part of his story and his evolution as a player and his development right he's it's actually more than that i mean if you actually go back and look at him right he used to have a slow release now he has a quick release if you go back and look at him he used to be just catch and shoot not off the bounce okay you used to look at him he could only run pick and roll one way and quinn snyder was so great that he ran in pick and roll one way all the time and covered up that fact i mean joe's development skill development over the last seven years is really remarkable and and they and they're actually really noticeable statistically i mean he used to be four catch and shoot threes a game and 0.5 off the bounce threes a game uh now he's actually more off the bounce threes than he is catch and shoot and to have his three-point shooting percentage be better than it was before is astronomical because an off-the-bounce three is a much more difficult shot than a catch-and-shoot three, and an off-the-bounce three you can create for yourself and really screw the defense, um, whereas you know something has to happen if you're a catch-and-shoot guy. So if you're a catch-and-shoot guy that can't go both directions with the dribble, as he was when he played Houston in that series, and they're switching one through five, he can't get the catch-and-shoot because they're hugging the shooters because they're switching, and you can't... Um, and you can't get up. You have to beat guys isolation one on one on switching, and they know that, and they know how you play. Then you you're right. You're absolutely zeroed. But two years later, Joe now can play off the bounce three point self created game um, on the high pick and roll. He can go right or left on the pick and roll with the same ability. He's better obviously going left, and Quinn does just a masterful job of our other play sets of getting in that. Um, but that's a sign of Joe's evolution as a player and how much better he's become in that. He's still not a good isolation player. That's like in, you know what, that's our, our kryptonite is teams that can switch one through five. We got way better at it during the season, but physical teams that switch one through five and are able to top block our, our wing players. That seems to be the defense that has caused us the most problems and Phoenix plays it um, better than anyone else in the league. And, you know, we've had our worst offensive games against Phoenix. So back to where we started this conversation, I would suggest root for Dallas tonight and root for Denver. All right. And there it is. He's David Locke. He hates the freaking Lakers and he's very happy so right sweet. now. Now he needs, now he needs a couple more things to break his way. David, thank you very this. much. I, I do. Th- I do think it's important by the way. Dallas wins tonight. That's a far bigger story than the Lakers losing. I mean, from a basketball standpoint, I get from a national TV standpoint. But from like the way the season's gone, if the number two differential team in the league loses tonight, that's an incredible story. That's a massive collapse. David Locke, you'll hear him on the call whenever series number two, round two, starts. Could be Sunday at 1.30, but it might be next week, maybe Tuesday night. David, thank you very much. See ya. All right. Hey, Yak, have we heard from Kurt yet? Yak, have we heard from Kurt yet? We did hear from Kurt. We got him taken nice. care of. Nice. Got that all, all taken care of? We did. Excellent. So we took Kurt care of had him. A heck of 
Kurt had a heck of a story, so we're glad he got taken care and of. By the way, I do want to give a special shout out. We gave Austin tickets uh, when I was uh-huh. talking to him to give him his tickets, getting his information. He actually generously offered to pass on taking those tickets to give them to Kurt. So Austin, Austin is a good dude. You, he even deserves some commendation as well. But we took care of both of them, so we're good to go. Excellent. So those of you who heard, Kurt had a great story about his wife, and we gave the tickets to some other people, but we want to make sure we got them taken care of too. So uh, Kurt's going to be going to, to uh, another game. He will have another opportunity. So excellent. All right, we're going to uh, take a break right now. When we come back, everything you missed in this show, we'll get you up to speed next. Ow, and for the Utah Jazz. Get out of the way. Round one is done. Got it! As Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Mike Conley sent the Grizzlies pack. Donovan! Now it's on to round two as the Jazz make a push to an NBA title. I live for the hunt. to live for it. Won't stop till I get what I want. Won't stop. I don't care what it takes. Yo, Ingle! Jordan Clarkson! Hear every second of every moment of Utah Jazz playoff basketball. It's all about survival. Right here on your exclusive home of the Jazz. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Zone Sports Network. Flex, Rudy, flex! I'm frustrated, you know, frustrated for sure. You know, it's something that I've worked tires, tirelessly, tirelessly, I guess that's word. You know, kind of night and day on and... You know, put a lot of effort into it, showing up early, staying late, strengthening, running, conditioning, everything. And you don't know when it's, you know, when it'll happen or why it happens. It just does. And for me, it's, you know, it's never been a, like a true hamstring pull where it just knocks you out. It's just like, you know, a small tweak that's just enough to cause discomfort and worry some folks. So that's the frustrating part. There's Mike Conley. Only played 12 minutes in game five, felt something in his hamstring. Jazz said he'd have an MRI, and then they let us know, and they let us know, and the word is he'll be reevaluated before game one. You're optimistic. David Locke was just on. I got to say, I'm, I'm more locked than you. I hadn't really thought two full well, weeks. We already know that you're more locked than me. Thank you. <laughs> but I just, I'm not counting on him for game one. And I don't even know if game one's going to be Sunday or Tuesday. It just seems they're like they're really careful with this kind of stuff. They were really careful with Donovan Mitchell. So when was the last game? Uh, what what night was it? Wednesday. It was Wednesday. All right. So you basically had that night off. So that's pretty much four full days. But I don't know that the last one was a mild strain, and I thought they were very specific about this one this time. Well, then I'm going to hold on to that as hope. And I hope you're right about that, reading into that word. Am I wrong, though? Am I missing it? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not remembering. I looked at it. They specifically said a mild hamstring strain. Which is why when he said two weeks, I hadn't, that hadn't occurred to me because of what you said. It's mild. But if, he misses, but if he misses a week, you know, depending on when the series starts, he's coming back. Is he coming back for game two, three, or four? Well, I buy Locke's logic in that if he's going to miss a week, so it doesn't matter when, when game one starts, so root for the Mavs because they are going to have to play tonight, obviously, get on a plane uh, either tonight, I assume, or tomorrow and hustle their way to Salt Lake. So they had very little prep time, uh, prep time for game one. Now you can argue that it might be the same uh, game one versus game two, but if everything's equal anyway – then just go ahead and get the opportunity to play a Mavs team that 
for that specific game is not at their best preparation. And then I don't think the Jazz need to steal it. I'm not going to say that because I think I believe Joe is going to rise to the occasion. And I think he's proven this. This is nothing new. He shoots the ball very well, and then you go through a little bit of a slump where you don't shoot the ball very well, but then you rebound. I mean, this is not the first time. Well, I don't even think if you just throw out – yeah, you're right. But even if you throw out the regular season, where I think we've seen what you talk about, you look at his playoff series, I think he's had a couple playoff series – they were really good. He's had a couple that was okay. He's had one that was bad, and he's gone into specifically why that was such a bad series and what he did to change it. So I don't read too much into one series impacting another series. He's almost 40 games deep in his playoff career. He will be. You know, that, that's basically half a regular season worth of playoff games. We can get a pretty good read on who he is. And I think Locke spelled out the matchups, and if they get the Mavericks – I think Joe can have a pretty good playoff series against him. Yeah, uh, I would I expect it. I would expect it. I look at the Mavericks. I'm not sure how they're doing it. They they sort of remind me a little bit of the Rockets back in the day with one superstar and a bunch of role guys that first season. I realized they got Drexler midway yeah. through the second season. and Or Nowitzki, Nowitzki. he won his title with Dallas a few years back. It was one Hall of Famer. But not of, another Hall of Famer. Well, not another Hall of Famer in their prime. Jason Kidd. Had an excellent career, but he was at the end of the line. Yeah, and they were so space role players at yeah. the time. Uh, so I think that the Jazz, you know, you got Gobert and Mitchell there. No offense to any of the other guys, but I, if I'm picking two guys I want out of healthy, I'm picking Gobert and Mitchell. And I think they're p- picking that too. So with those guys, and watching the game, watching Portland and, and even the Laker game last night, Seems like so many guys just get to the rim that you don't see with that regularity with the Jazz, and just almost to the point of basically strolling down the lane. Now they're barreling. Maybe barreling's a better term, but that doesn't happen that much with Gobert. Guys don't even try it, let alone have success. Give John Morant credit for trying it. Uh, no problem making a, a, a try, particularly in a series where you're not going to win anyway, and you need to go through your growing pains. And see what you're about. I love this kid's courage. Uh, so I still think the Jazz have an advantage, particularly if they play Dallas, to win the series with or without Mike. Well, to your point, the Jazz third in defensive rating, and the reason you don't see it happen with the Jazz, and you see it with a lot of other teams, is the Jazz are just better defensively, and it is a big Go Bear impact. It's yeah. a huge Go Bear impact. But the only two teams that had a better defensive rating than the Jazz are the Lakers and the Sixers. Well, the Lakers look back is in Anthony Davis. I mean, there's a long, athletic guy who will challenge a lot of shots, and they didn't have him. Yeah, and they're, they're done. You wonder if they'll come back. I don't know that they will. I'm not going to rule LeBron out, but he'll be 37 next year, and Anthony Davis is brittle. Yes. Fact. And with LeBron, when you see him not looking like LeBron, I'm curious how everybody evaluates it. I think – it's like 70% ankle, 30% advancing age. But I'm sure there's people who think it's 80% father time and it's only 20% ankle, you know? So it's And it probably is a little bit of both. Yeah, but that's now anyway. So in another that, year, yeah. how much now do his skills? Now it doesn't matter anymore. How much do his skills erode in another year? And if year? he gets injured again. It has been two out of three years now. Yeah. This, the, the first one strikes me as something that happens with age. The second one, it was just wrong place, wrong time. But it can still impact how quickly you come back. 
The Portland Trailblazers are out. The Denver Nuggets are advancing. Nuggets or Suns? I think Nuggets. I want to pick the Nuggets in this series. I mean, I'm going to sentimental. I mean, that caller who called up and said, my sons were toast. (laughs) Bleep you, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. But your Lakers are toast. Yeah, but he called me out for the Suns. He, he called, called me out for the, out for the Lakers. So. I know. There's so many teams to call you out for. So he called me out specifically. He said, your sons are done. Yeah, you told <laughs> us you got into the uh, Phillies. Did you ever get into the Sixers? Or it was only the Phillies, not the other Philly teams. Did you get into the Eagles and the Sixers? Not as much, no. Yeah, more Phillies, huh? Yeah. All right, well. Sixers have their own injury issues. But I appreciate the Sixers when they had those legendary series with the Celtics, but it was more about it wasn't a favor to either team. It was just more about they had some great teams, and those were some great battles. All right, DJ and PK, coming up, we've got your feedback. Today's show, stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. The The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. General Manager of the Utah Jazz, Justin Zanuck. Quinn said this is a different team than a year ago. What's different about it? Obviously, a lot of different events last year forced us to learn some hard lessons, whether it's accomplishing what we did in the bubble and not getting to where we wanted. Having Jordan for a couple training camps, Boyan's return from injury, Mike getting acclimated and getting to know us and us adjusting to him. All those things just took a little time. And the character of the group, the resiliency of the group, had a lot of challenges this year and had some really good responses from those where maybe a less experienced team would have been a little more rattled and they've come through great this year so really proud of them and the growth they've shown catch the big show weekdays from two to seven presented by big old tires the team you trust on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network went with my wife to hawaii at the end of the nba season and i kept on watching jazz games and at the end uh, when my wife wanted to go to the beach with my family, they went without me because I had to watch Golden State lose to the Grizzlies to make sure who we were going to play. It was worth it. Talk about sacrifice. I literally left my home state of Washington and drove 700 miles just to live here and watch the Jazz win an NBA championship in person, selling all my belongings along the way. Well, I was on an LDS mission through both of the final years last time, and so it'd be nice to see this one. Some late entries there, PK, to the question, what have you sacrificed for the Jazz? I would have been impressed if you knew the Jazz were that going to be that good in 97, 98, so you delayed your mission. You said, hold on, God. I got to do this first. I'll right. be there for you. I'll be right there. Yeah, but I'm going to wait here first. But right there, I mean, you know, after two more years. You could well, be me, difference? PK, and have what? left on your mission in time to come home and see the Jazz playoff series. Ooh, move it up early. Because you or, it's building. you could have gone on a mission and said, sorry, I'm got, watching the games. <laughs> I actually saw plenty of NBA games in Taiwan. There are a lot of people out there who are huge NBA fans. They see an American and immediately assume you want to watch the NBA. So they invite you in? Uh, yeah. And then you watch the games? Would you uh, like to know more about tried the NBA to playoffs? avoid it as much as possible, but I have to admit I watched my fair share. I got home uh, just in time for that Rocket series in 08. Question of the day, and we got a lot of reaction to this. The Jazz, second-round opponent. Mavs or Clips, who do you want to see in round two? Brandon says, Mavericks, L.A. can just slide off into the Pacific for all I care. (laughs) Jeez. They already got Catalina. (laughs) 
Another Catalina. <laughs> Mavs, Colby says, no L.A. teams in the second round would be delicious after all the hype this year. I don't think the Clippers got a lot of hype, though. You don't think they were picked second? They did. Get I mean, well, I get that's not a lot of hype. Though. That's not a lot of hype compared to what the Lakers get getting picked first because the Lakers own the town and LeBron. Uh, has... Who's against the Clippers? <laughs> they haven't won enough. Yeah. Tom says it doesn't matter who they play in the second round. Jazz in four. Ooh, I wouldn't put that. I think it's very difficult to sweep. What do we have? One sweep. The Jazz have swept a best of seven series one time. I mean, this year. This year, box? one sweep, yes. Yeah, it's very difficult to sweep. Especially in the West. I mean, the team's got too much talent to get swept. Now, I suppose if they would have had Mitchell, they could have swept. This will be game 23 in the West this year. And in the East, it's all done in 19 games. And we might have a 24th first-round game. And you got to have 16, and you can't have more than 28. Five is plenty good. Adam wants the Mavs in the second round because there's only one star to worry about. Jeff's with him. Clippers are more dangerous if Kawhi and PG start clicking. Luke is great, but he doesn't have much support. Yeah, what level of if is that? What's, what's the size of if? If, if Leonard and George click. Uh, poor Zingas, we thought he was going to be, but... Certainly not the star anywhere close to Dauntage, plus he's injury prone. And the Mavs seem to have a lot of uh, role players that, that actually play well off of uh, Dauntage because if you're going to go to Dallas, you better make sure you know how to play well off of him because he's going to be their guy. He's going to be their Steve Young to Montana to Young and Favre to Rodgers, Nowitzki to Dauntage, you know, two, two foreign guys who are just, one already hit it big, and the other is well on his way. But I don't, was, uh, did Dirk, re, did he, he retire, did he play a year with uh, Doncic? He tried two, no, they did ago? not play together. So they, they the transition, the transition in the yeah, transition went straight from Dirk to Luka, though. And that's quite a transition, if we're being honest. Those are two, <laughs> look like. Yeah, superstars. He's a heck of a player, no doubt about it, man. They 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 need to give him some talent too, because he's got all the talent in the world. Plus, he's got the moxie. He does. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't bow to the crowd like Trey Young was doing and whatnot, or have spectacular. I'm going to challenge you, Gobert dunks. But he's but big shot, big shot dude, yes. man. And he's not afraid of the moment and actually relishes it. I think he, right now for me, he's a, a little bit too preoccupied with the refereeing. I would I would tone that down a little bit and focus your energy. Let Carlisle handle that stuff. That's what the coaches are for. Coaches get on refs. You know, I mean, I don't have any problem talking, but just don't make it too much. Tyler wants Dallas to win in seven to give the Jazz more rest going into the series. I think there's something to be said for that, yeah. Why not? If nothing else, maybe give Mitchell more rest. I don't so know. the only way Dallas wins in seven, then, is if the road team wins seven straight games in a series, which has never happened, but this could be the first time. It, it, but why not in a year be. with limited crowds? I yeah. guess it would make more sense. I, I, yeah. It's going to happen. They've already won three times, so certainly they can win one more. I just wonder if somehow at some level the 
the Lakers are in that uh, break in the huddle, or the Lakers. The Clippers are in break in the huddle on uh, Cancun, you know. Cancun's your your, your three, place? Two, what, wasn't that the story? 3-2-1, Cancun. I don't know that I would choose Cancun if I can go any. I might go Maui. I've been to say, Cancun a number of times. You've been to Cancun and Maui. You're the expert. Hawaii's my jam. No, I've been to uh, both of those for work. I've been on free trips, both of those locations. Yeah, winner. And I've also paid to go to both of those places. The funny the thing, free trips were so good? Well, no, the funny thing is that in 08, we wanted to take a trip. We saved up miles and everything, so the family of four to go. We go to Cancun and have an absolutely marvelous time, no question about it. And then the next year, they start the Jazz Beach Fish. I haven't been a lot of places. So the next four years, I go to Cancun, right? And if I would have known I was going to go to Cancun. You would have gone somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to Cancun five years in a row. <laughs> Although Maui, if I could go to Maui, I'd go to Maui a thousand years in a row if I could. <laughs> I mean, even if I had uh, been there 99, 100. And Maui's that much better than Oahu? For me, yes. I mean, it's all in the individual uh preference but Oahu is very very crowded Maui is laid back and it has Lahaina and then on the other side has a little little action if that's what you want but yeah I haven't been to many places I haven't been to any place in Europe uh, or South America or uh, Africa but uh, I've been to Maui a few times and it is just absolutely awesome we were supposed to go last year my sister has a timeshare and she was going to give it to us for a, a significant wedding anniversary and we had to delay it, obviously, because of the pandemic. And this year, they couldn't get it, so we had to delay it. So we're shooting for next year. Okay. All right, DJ PK, we're out of time. Coming up next, Hands and Scotty. The big show later today. They're all going to have some jazz tickets to give away. So keep listening. If you don't win the tickets, remember, you can get them. They're on sale now at utahjazz.com. And they're also available on the Jazz app. Might be a game one Sunday. You'll know when you see what happens with the Mavs and Clippers tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN. That's going to do it for us. Have a good weekend. We will talk to you Monday morning.